them already. Well, maybe I should get it by Monday then. But anyway. Now, there's how a nice surprise in there for you. How fast does mail travel from Florida to Hawaii? You know, sometimes, I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes it's really weird. My friend from Arizona sent me the Don Dumpy thing mm -hmm. uh, Monday. Okay, this past Monday. I got it by Wednesday. <laughs> I got it by Wednesday. I sent him uh, something, a CD, and he got it. Uh, I sent it on Monday, and he got it on Thursday. So I don't know. I have no idea. There are times when you have what I send out. I, I usually send everybody's out. Of oh, your stuff come on pretty fast one time, too. This comes fast. There are times when you get it before anybody else in the States. Uh, on it comes pretty fast. Yeah. But, um, no, yeah, I'm, I, yeah, um, you're so generous. I, I want to reciprocate. So I'm, that's what I'm going to say. As soon as I get it, send you Big Town, two sets of Big Town and some of Dr. Christian. I'm really eager to hear Dr. Christian. I appreciate that. He is really good, yeah. Um, Gene Herschel, he was a good doctor because he was like the old-fashioned doctor oh you know a doctor I'll, I'm gonna pay you but um, I'm a little short now but you don't worry mrs. whatever you know, you don't worry about that money you know that kind of stuff you don't find that kind of doctor today a real hometown type doctor <laughs> it, it, it's quite different than before I mean than it is now and they used to make house calls and house calls right Right. Everything was... You know, the doctor come to my house and said, please just go to the nearest emergency, you know. Right. Good grief. It's hard to get them to come to the hospital when you're in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, boy, I tell you, I'm so glad we were able to get on the air an hour and a half earlier than scheduled. Yeah, us too. We, we were really pleased with that. Yeah. So we were, we were ready to go at 1030 Eastern, and Lori Gaffney said we were down, so... We waited. And down we were. We couldn't. We're down. I couldn't get there anywhere. Do you want a question tonight? No. No question? No, we'll just play for fun. Go ahead, ask me a question. You don't want to kick a shot at the Johnny Mathis CD? Johnny Mathis? What? <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. Did you say Johnny Mathis? Yeah. We have Johnny Mathis CDs to Johnny, give away. Johnny, people sent us a whole box of his latest album. Who did? Johnny Mathis office. Please? How did that happen? Well, I, I knew Johnny's manager, who was his, uh, for almost 20, for 18, 20 years, and occasionally he would say, hey, Wong, would you listeners like a, you know, Johnny's latest CDs? And he passed away two years ago, and, and I was surprised that his office sent, uh, sent me a note with his latest CDs, and, and I called to thank him and said, would you, like, would you like another dozen to give away to your listeners? And I said, sure. When I lived in L.A., I went to the Greek theater and heard Johnny Massey's perform, and it was great. Yeah. No, I, I got a whole bunch of Johnny Massey. Okay. I love Johnny Massey. <laughs> he sings some good stuff. And if I could sing, I would sing a Johnny Massey song. <laughs> I could sing. If I could sing. If I could sing, the world would be thrilled because they're all afraid I might start. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. Anyhow, um, if you like Johnny Mathis, this this oh. is his newest album, Walden? Brand new. Yep, this is his brand new, new. latest album. 
What, what is it called? What a Wonderful World, Make the World Go Away, Crazy, Southern Nights, You Don't Know Me, Love in Arms, Shenandoah, We Must Be Loving Right, I Can't Stop Loving You, Love Me Tender, Please Help Me, I'm Falling, What a Wonderful World, uh, a Christmas version of What a Wonderful World. How come you know? Who's got the album? You're Walden. Well, I've, Walden sent them to me. I've got a dozen of these, and we're going to be giving them away just every once in a while, we're going to say, well, we've got a Johnny Mathis to give away tonight, but it's a really hard question. You have to earn it. That's sweet. Well, you hold it because, no, well, i got a whole bunch of Johnny Mathis. Okay. So we'll give you a regular question. <laughs> yeah, give me, there you go. Give me a regular question. All right, here's a regular question. What profession was Candy Matson in? What, who? Candy Matson. What did she do for a living? She was um, a lady, um, um, a lady detective, right? Yes, she was. And what was her phone number? Yukon, Yukon, seven whatever. Oh, you're really close. Yukon, I think it was two o nine. Oh no, there were four numbers. Was it? I don't know. It was Yukon something. Oh, well. <laughs> the challenge of the Yukon. Right. <laughs> okay. And hey, by the way. Talking about the great killer sheep, let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. Huh? Walden. Yeah. When did the great killer sheep have, have his own radio show? Because, wait, wait. He was on Film McGee and Molly in 1939, was it? Right. He did the audition show for Johnson Wax May 26, 1941. The first show he had was for uh, was August 31, 1941. So we are on the 70th anniversary of the, of Great Gillespie this year. Okay. Um, August what? 1940. August 31. Okay. 1941. Patricia. Yes. Do you have August 31, 1941? <laughs> August 31, 1941. Hold on, just a second. Just curious. That's okay. Tell me again the date, please. I'm sorry. The audition. May 26, 1941, the Patricia wants want to know, do you have August 31, 1941? Okay, hold on. Because I know you got great killers, so. Mm-hmm. I think. I have August 31st, 1941, is that yeah. the one you want? That's the first show, yep. Well. She got it. one. Yeah, I have it. You have it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, is it on MP3? Yeah. Okay. That's great. Could you send me that? <laughs> yes, I could. Would you like any other Gilded oh. shows along with it? Just send me that. Just that one? Yeah. That's great. August 41, 19... August 31, 1941. <laughs> Not August 41, 1931. <laughs> oh. You know, I kept hearing 31, and I said, no, that's not right. That's not right. Okay, August thirty first, 1941, Great Gildersleeve, you shall have it. Yeah, that's great. I have to listen to the sound quality, I hope. I'd like to hear the first, the first real radio show of the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah, would you like the audition program from May 16th? Is it on your, on that, on the same CD? Yeah. Okay, if it's on the same CD, I don't want you to have to hunt for it or whatever. Oh, no, it's right here. It's in my file. Okay, good. I'll come to your house tomorrow and pick it up. Hey, bring food. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you would really freak out if our doorbell rang. Here comes Rodney Sherrill. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, and we could have a luau. I, we could definitely have a luau. What's, what are the top three foods at a luau? Okay, the, the first top food in, at a luau is um, a pig that is cooked over a fire, a pit. Okay. Does he have to have an apple in his mouth or not? What? Does he have to have an apple in his mouth or not? No. No, okay. You're funny, too. <laughs> and you know what? You can't be funnier than me. I'm supposed to be the funny guy. Uh -huh. Okay, anyway, that's okay, though. Okay, and the next is, they have what we call a lao lao. That's um, pork and stuff wrapped up in um, in, a, in tea leaf, a tea leaf. Mm -hmm. And you open the tea leaf and you eat the inside, uh, you know, which is stuff with meat, stuff like that. Wow. Oh, that sounds good. All right, what's number three? Number three would be, well, let's see. Well, let me ask my wife what number three is. Wait. Wait. Sure. i tell you what. Why don't you ask Gail? Wallen and, and when Patricia want to know what the three top foods in a luau is. The first is Kalua pig. That's pig. The second is a lala wrapped in tea leaves, right? Right? Yeah. What's the third? What's the third important dish in a luau? Okay. Um, we were thinking what the third is. The third could be um, salmon. Salmon? That I don't like. I don't like this. This particular dish. Oh, good. You're the same boat as I am. Salmon meaning the fish salmon? Yeah, yeah, but it's cooked with tomatoes and stuff. Okay, well, then we'll then we'll stick with the top two. What about? We'll just stick with. I know they have sweet potato. Oh, that's great! I love sweet potatoes. Oh yeah, yeah, they have sweet potato. Oh, that's and baked. I like baked sweet potatoes just. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. Now we're making ourselves hungry. I know. So, Ron, at your dinner table, what four, dinner pe table? What, what? Four, what four people would you invite that are no longer with us? Oh, at the dinner table. Uh -huh. Who would you like to spend an evening with? I would like to. I would like to invite my grandmother on my father's side. My music teacher who taught me my, my first piano lesson mm -hmm. and taught me for about nine years and he had a stroke uh, when I was giving, he was giving me piano lessons. He collapsed and he died. Oh my gosh, he was, there? Here, yeah, and his favorite show. That's why I have a lot of Jack Benny shows in my collection because his favorite show was Jack Benny. Oh, how sweet. And. And then I would like to invite, uh, and then I would like to invite my father, mm -hmm. only because I think I, I didn't have enough conversation with him while he was alive. Mm -hmm. So that'd be kind of nice. We got along great. I mean, just a, he was very quiet for my father. Yeah. And then I would like to, I would like to meet. Uh, I would like to meet Jack Benny in person. There you go. Yeah, that's that's well. So I would have four nice people at my table. 
That'd be nice. It sounds like it. Would they all get along well? Oh yeah, they would. <laughs> they would. Well, while and, and well, quickly, Patricia, while before I hang up, who so that everybody else can hear, who would be the four that you would like, Patricia? Oh well, I I added my grandmother to the list, my father's mother, because she was that special. So I would have her and Oscar Levant. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how they would get I think they'd get along fine. <laughs> she she was a hot but she she was really cool. She was not hot, she was cool. Um, so I I would have Oscar Levant, my grandmother, John Daner, and Patrick Henry. Now, why John Daner and why Patrick Henry? Patrick Henry because he is or was, without a doubt, the most courageous person this country ever was privileged to have. He was the one who stood up and meant, give me liberty or give me death, and he was ready to die. He was ready to be killed because he believed that people should have liberty. So he's number one on my list. Wow. And Oscar Levant, of course, everybody loves Oscar. But yeah, make sure you have a piano. Yes, I'd have to have a piano with him, but he's he had so many accomplishments in his lifetime as a composer, as a musician, as an actor, a writer, a comedian. I mean, he just did everything, directed, produced, and he did it all while he was ill for his entire life. He had um, mental and emotional challenges for his entire life and did all of this in spite of it. Wow. I didn't know he... That's interesting. No, seriously, I didn't know he had a, he had a mental, um, you know, kind of thing that he had. Uh, yeah, he had some challenges, um, and and it was lifelong. It was lifelong. So that's where those two come from. And John Daner, uh, how could you not love that voice? So I want to meet the man who has the voice, but his versatility as a performer and his professionalism, just knock my socks off each time I hear him in a different role. Yeah. John Dean. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Um, what about you, Mr. Walden? Um, I, I would like to have two separate dinners, you know. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> have four. Four people, that's it. You, know, you like to eat that. That's right. I, I, I'll, have breath, I'll have dinner for lunch and dinner for dinner. Okay. Um, I guess the first one, I... Because I'm in a patriotic mood, I would like to go back to 1774 and have dinner with George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, and oh, about a true patriot, Samuel Adams, and really find out what direction they want to take the country. I think that would be pretty, pretty interesting. Okay. Yeah. You know, we throw Nathan Hale in there too. Sure. Okay. Sure. I think Nathan Hale at age 19 would be wonderful. Nathan Hale was the one that they got hung. Got hung, yeah. And there's a there's there's a great piece. Um, it, I don't know if you want to find this, Patricia. Uh, the General Motors, uh, during the war had their own 90-minute classical music show or 75, and they would have guest speakers. And Orson Welles, as intermission guest, talked about Nathan Hale. Whoa. Whoa, my yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, the next one. 
And your next dinner. My next dinner, I, I would get ready for World War II, and I would love to have Mike bread with Winston Churchill. Who? I would love to. Uh, and Churchill. Churchill is a man I, I totally, uh, totally respect and admire. Right, okay. Yeah. Nice. So, all the, all the I great... Think, I think with Winston Churchill, Walden, you're going to have to have him all by himself. Because he would eclipse everybody else. Nobody ha would have a chance to compete in that kind of an environment. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's such an imposing man. So you have to have dinner by yourself with him. <laughs> How's that? Yeah. Yep. Churchill would be Churchill is somebody I totally respect. Yep. I agree. Yeah. So another one just stood up and did what had to be done. Philip Nolan. Hmm. Excuse me. You remember Philip Nolan? That's the man without a country. Is that was his name? Ah, that's right. Philip Nolan. Yeah. Yep. He was. It was a, one of the nicest. I mean, it was it was a real touching story how. In his cabin, he had all kinds of pictures and stuff that from America, and he thought um, Amer he thought uh, America thought him as an outcast because he wasn't uh, a patriot, and he met the country and had all the symbols of America in his in his little cabin. Yeah. For all these years. Yeah, that mm -hmm. was so touching when you heard that part. Mm -hmm. All the different pictures he had. And yet he could never step foot on American soil. Kept him going from one country to another mm -hmm. country and kept him on a ship. It was amazing, you know. Yeah. I mean, I like cruising, but I don't think I'd like to cruise that. Destination at the end, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that was, that was a touching story. Okay, so you and I, Winston Churchill, all by yourself. I would have loved to have the time, because I, you know, there was a man who... You know, he stuck with his gun, He then, uh, and he would be out of favor in favor, but he believed and he stuck with his gun. And I, 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 I totally admire that, you know, of, I, I totally admire our statesmen. I wish we had more statesmen today that say what they believe and you know what they stood for. And, and I think Churchill was a statesman. He put his country first. Well, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, you 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 know you you can tell that you're you're really uh, into this political thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I love I love American history, and I and I think it's where we're, we're all three of us are blessed to live in a country, and people like that have shaped our our uh, our blessings. And yet, you know. And when you think about it, the three of us are really blessed living in this country. Mm -hmm. And the three of us are so blessed that we we never met each other mm -hmm. in person. Mm -hmm. But just by a mere Alexander Graham Bell um, invention of a telephone mm -hmm. and with satellite radios mm -hmm. coming along the way and all that kind of stuff, um, can meet each other over the phone and feel this close kinship without even knowing. Well... I mean, you and Walden know each other personally, but but the three of us feel like we're we're just good friends. We are. Yeah. We are. It's amazing. We have this kinship that when I hang up, you know, after saying aloha to the two of you, I feel really great. I feel like, wow, this my night was complete. Uh, oh, thank you. Uh, we always look forward to hearing from you. Yep. No, seriously, because I feel my night is complete because I talked to two of 
cool. My knees keep friends that I have. Oh, how cool. Thank and, you. But but I just have this warm, you know, warm, compassionate feeling that um, we're we just like, we're just like a great relationship that we have. It's true. I agree. It's true. I agree. It's magical. Mm-hmm. A common interest in old radio shows because we believe in, in clean humor and clean, uh, you know, thoughts and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I, I just love it. And we have the same common interest, you know. Yes. So it's great. I think it's great. So when's, the, so, when's, your, ne- when's your next piano engagement? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Tonight I'm off, but I, I have... You, you're going to be playing Valentine? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I have this cute story. Yeah. Before I hang up, I gotta hang up because I gotta let other people. <laughs> I know they want to talk to you guys. I have a friend that's totally blind. Mm-hmm. He lives in New York and he's coming over. He's in Hawaii now. He has a German Shepherd CI dog. Never been married uh, and lives with his dog. And he adopted a cat and they live in New York, mm-hmm. New City, New York. And he loves it. He um, is coming to where I work, and he's going to bring his CI dog with him next Thursday. Mm-hmm. But here's the fun part. I told the audience last Thursday where I work, I said, next week we're going to be in for a treat because my friend Milton is coming from the mainland, and he's going to come to visit us here at the club, and he's a fine pianist, and he sings. But here's the fun part. He has a German Shepherd, I'm sorry, it's a, he has a Labrador CI dog, and we want to know how protective this dog is. Oh, gee. We are, I'm... Oh, gee. <laughs> asking, I, I, I had a friend, I'm asking you, Chris, that what we're going to have you do is attack my friend Milton to see what the dog will do, okay? <laughs> and I told Milton, not to feed your dog before you come, and then we'll have my friend attack you, and we'll see how. That's sick. <laughs> so, so I I told the crowd. So next week it'll be better than WWF. You know? Put that story on the wire. <laughs> You're a true friend, Ron. Only oh, a true friend you would do. <laughs> My friend said, oh, no, you're not. I said, oh, yeah, because I had to find somebody that would be, you know, good chunk of meat for the dog. And he did, while, while you're saying your prayer, he'll be probably saying grace, you know. And... <laughs> oh, you are outrageous. Would you tell me again where he is from? Which part of New York? Uh, he lives in well, it's called New City, I guess, New York. I, uh, that's um, that's the county I grew up in. Oh, really? Uh huh. Oh my gosh. Like two towns away. Wow. Not- well, you know what I'm gonna do next week? Um, seriously, um, I'm going to around. He's gonna feed his friends. To- no, 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 no. I, if my friend is still alive, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna put my my visually impaired friend Milton on a conference call with the four of us. And then, well, that'll be fun. And you can talk about New York, where you grew up and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that would be fun. Hawaii, and he's going to be here for um, a month. And then 
on the 2nd of March, he goes back to New York. He plays music there. But with what's amazing is he is very independent. His dog's name is Adonis, a very nice um, Ad um Adonis is his dog? Yeah, that's the name of the dog. Oh, boy. Does yeah. this doggy strut his stuff or what? Yeah. So how did he meet Milton? Milton went to the deaf and blind school that I we both attended, and Milton played up, and that's how, although Milton is, I think, oh, about five, six, seven, six years younger than me, mm -hmm. but we met each other, and um, he played music trumpet in a band, mm -hmm. concert band, and played piano, and for, for many years, he lived in Hawaii, um, and had a, a big nightclub act with a nine-piece group. And then when jobs became scarce, he moved to the mainland, and he made his home in New York. And he's so well settled now that um, that's where he's going to live the rest of his life. And he comes wow. out to visit. His name is Milton, and he just, um, he's a very interesting individual. And he takes good care of himself and his dog, and he loves animals, and he has a cat that's 19 years old. My goodness. Most cats die when they're about 15. Oh. Yeah. That's a well-cared-for so, kitty. Yeah, right. So he takes good care of his cat. Going to be able to say hi to him? We'll have a conference call, really? Yeah, we will. That's super. You're, you're born, being born in New City and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we'll do it next Saturday. So, yeah, you guys have a good one. And I'd like to say to you both, aloha. 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 And to Gail. We'll look forward to great Gilsey, and I'll send you Don Dumpy's thing. Thank all you, day. Ron. Thank you so much. And you'll love it. I will. Okay. Thanks, right. Ron. Bye-bye. Thank you. There he goes. Our buddy Ron from Hawaii. 714-545-2071. Thank you for staying up with us and tuning in. Keep on checking with, with us. We are here. Indeed we are. We had a late start because Live 365 shut everybody down while they did some major upgrades on their system, and we were among the shutdowns. We are. <clears throat> now, we next are. week. Yes. Next week we're going to have Mr. Schultz with us. Mm -hmm. Claire Schultz. Claire Schultz of Fibber McGee and Molly fame. Right. He wrote Fibber McGee and Molly on the air, mm -hmm. and he was with us last year in April, anniversary of Fibber McGee and Molly, and he's making a return appearance with us next week. Hello there, you're on the air. Hey, greetings from Chile, Texas. Woo-wee! Hello, Chile, Texas. I, I have learned how to drive in fleet, and I don't like it. You don't like oh, it, Richard, cold huh? Is it? Yeah, you really got hammered. What are they doing with the stadium? Is the stadium going to be okay for the game tomorrow? Yeah, today they uh, cranked up the heat to melt the ice off the top of it, put six people in the hospital from the I ice know. on them. One of them was very seriously injured. Yes, and uh, it'll be fine. Our, our, we, uh, we finally got above freezing today, so the, the roads got uh, quite a bit better, and uh, it's going to freeze again tonight. Yeah. That's but I, uh, not too bad. I think our airports are going to be fine. 
if people can get, you know, flights out from wherever they're coming from. Yeah. Yeah, and that that has been free anywhere in the United States. Recognize that just because your airport looks fine doesn't mean your destination is fine. So everything gets gummed up. Yeah, now they're saying we may have some more of this, but not much on Sunday. Stuff, huh? Bring the game, but of course, inside the stadium it's fine because it's indoors. But uh, it's. <laughs> How cold it's been all week. I heard it's been a little cold down there all week long, practically. Yes, uh, yeah. Um, it it uh, wasn't above freezing from Monday night to this afternoon. <laughs> and that is very, very rare mm-hmm. for it to be so long. I think maybe that's the longest that it's been below freezing. Of course, I have a friend in North Dakota, and... He says, well, uh, we're expecting a thaw in uh, March. (laughs) June 17th. (laughs) But actually, the other day, it was colder here than it was there. Or yesterday. It was colder here than it was there. It was about 22 here, and it was... Ouch. ...there, so... Oh, oh, that's that's obscene. You know, we're just... uh, Thanks to the Super Bowl... There's that sports word again. Mm-hmm. Um, they did bring in some snow plows. We have no snow plows. Why have snow plows? You know, we, yeah. we don't usually need them. But uh, the Texas Department of Transportation did bring in a few snow plows, and then they brought in some more, which uh, uh, helped out. And uh, but I I went uh, about midnight to pick up my wife uh, from her work and uh, I spun out a little bit then. Wow! After it had been and and it was above freezing, but it didn't get everything. Well, I sure like to know who ticked off Mother Nature these last couple of years. She has been <laughs> having. <laughs> I I hope it wasn't me. I hope it wasn't you, because you're going to get punished if it were. Well, you know, for most of the week, we just, uh, we hunkered down, is, uh, is our, uh, our, our elected officials tell us to do during bad weather. We just hunkered down, and, uh, we were able to do it. I felt sorry for the folks that had to get out in midweek. Yeah. Uh, but all the schools were closed, uh, the, except for Monday. They were closed all week long, which means kids are going to have to be going some extra days, I suppose. I was very alarmed to turn on my Wi-Fi radio and not be able to get y'all. <laughs> Surprise! 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 A <laughs> urgent request, Patricia. What? Well, we are soon, later this month, going to celebrate the 90th birthday of the patriarch of our family, my oh. father-in-law. Wow. And he says that his favorite radio show was Lum and Abner. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I thought, oh, 
If only I can answer a question for Patricia, I'm an Abner for him. He would love it. You can answer a question for Patricia. Patricia has Lumen Abner, and you can't find them anymore. So I'm kind of in the minority here. Really? Yeah, so you're barking up the right tree. <laughs> well, of course, I know what a sports fan you are. I know, and I want you to know that I relented. I bit the bullet. I actually got some Super Bowl information tonight. I... I uh... I also need to find, and maybe I can find this on the Internet, the Max Schmeling-Joe Lewis fight, because he said he had a one-tube radio that he had built, and it used earphones, and he made a paper cone that he stuck up to the earphones so that wow. several people could listen to that fight. Uh, and I'm going to... That is part of. Try to find it. That's part of a. In the 60s, there was a, a record album that sort of helped spawn the old time radio hobby. Long Jean Symphonette put out a, rec, a, a record album hosted by Jack Benny and Frank Knight. And the whole. Uh, a lot of parts of the Jack Smelling Joe Lewis fight is on there. So that. It only. Uh, now, they, they fought twice. Correct. I think he means the second fight because I believe that was. A real big radio event. Yeah, yeah, that's when Joris knocked him out. Yeah, and that yeah. only lasted a couple of minutes. Correct. It has that great, you know, smelling is down. Yeah, smelling down. You, do you recall what the time period was on that one? 1936. I'll get it. 1936? Uh-huh. 1938, something like that. Yeah, they fought first time in 36, and I think, I think over a year later, uh, Lewis and the rematch got him. Okay, so it would be like 37-ish, and Lewis won. Yeah, uh -huh, the second one, yeah. Lewis won the first one, and that was in 36. Okay. And cause I have the second comeback fight after that. Okay, and, and Smelling took the second one? Smelling took the first. He beat Joe Lewis, and then Joe Lewis beat Jack, uh, Jack uh, Smelling in the second one. All right, you lied to me on the first pass. Okay, so Smelling took Why? the Why? He made a rare mistake. Huh? You lied to me. Huh? Who, who won the first fight? Smelling. I've done it just to see if you were paying it. Smelling. Smelling won the first fight in 36. Won the first fight, not Lewis. Okay. And then, hey, then Patricia, I heard uh, uh, Brother Bill brag talking about you the other night. Oh, cool. Talking about how lovely you are. <laughs> I'm adorable. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm adorable. Walden says so. Walden seldom, well... I'm never wrong. Seldom lies. Sometimes he may skirt around the tree. <laughs> yes, yes, he can be evasive. Yeah. He knows how to be evasive. Especially when I'm looking for answers. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready for your question? Okay, shoot. All right, we're in detectives here. Uh oh. All right. What did the detective Pat Novak, these are plural, detectives, Pat Novak, Sergeant Joe Friday, coronet player Pete Kelly, and investigator Jeff Reagan have in common? They were all played by the same person. Yes. And who was that person? Yeah. 
Pat Novak. Horrible. I know very well who that is. Sergeant Friday. Yes. Joe Friday. Dum -de -dum -dum. Um, and he was married to... No, my brain is just... And, and there was a wonderful show on PBS the other night, our PBS station, about the pioneers of television, and they went on. And they, of course, they had to have. And this, this was dealing with crime and oh, yeah. type cop shows, and, and of course, they had to do Dragnet. Right. And he was married to Julie London at one time. Oh, no. This is terrible. I can't think of his name at all. I I have this fault in my memory about names, and uh, it's hit me, and I'm going to feel very foolish when you tell me because he is one of my favorite people. I'm not going to tell you. I loved him. I, you know, it'll come to me sooner or later. I loved him in the movie The Drill Instructor mm -hmm. where uh, he's a... Uh, given this recruit trouble, and, he, and the recruit is smiling. Mm -hmm. And he says, are you smiling? Do you think I'm funny looking? <laughs> are you smiling because you think I'm funny looking? Am I funny looking to you? <laughs> and he just, you know, right up in the guy's face. Mm. I don't I also love the bit that he did with Johnny Carson. Yeah. Oh, with the, with the copper. Copper clapper. Copper. Uh -huh. copper, copper clapper's caper. Correct. Yeah, caper, right. The copper clapper caper, and it was flawless. They did not burp on any word in the entire thing. Oh, no. Amazing. It was amazing. Would you like the copper clapper? <laughs> I, I believe I... I'm going to say I believe I know where it is, but I'm not positive, so I won't promise it. <laughs> I just need Lum and Abner for my... My father-in-law is my great hero. Oh, that is so nice to hear. All right, I have a question for you. Now, Lemon Abner ran forever. How many years did they run, Walden? <clears throat> they ran from, well, locally, I think it started in 1931, and they finished up their network program around 1953. Okay, so those are a lot of years. Can you give me a time period? Because these, these things, I, they're on, like, 10 or 11 CDs are full, so I, I can't give you 11 CDs. Do you have a time period when you would prefer? Uh, let's say they first 38-ish or thereabouts. Good. Get out. The first started, recording started just in 35, so 38 would be good. Yeah, and I know I've got um, I've got some from 38. Yeah. They're spotty. When I say spotty, I mean they're, they're not in the early years uh, in the files that I have. There aren't sequential shows. I mean, they're, they're, you know, two from this month and one from that month and four from this year. So I'll put together from the 38-ish era, I'll fill up a CD. And, and if I can find Lewis and Schmeling, I'll even do that. Because I'm adorable. You are adorable. <laughs> I'm just adorable. Now, who, who played Sergeant Joe Friday? Uh. Jack. Was it Jack? Was it Jack? Yes, 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 yes. You're halfway there, Jack. No hints, Walden. I can hear. I can hear you warming up. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. I can hear I'm, you. I'm trying to let my brain uh, sp spatter out there. Yeah. Well, I can. I can hear you when you start 
working up your this little... This one of those people that I would love to uh, to have dinner with. Okay, so you put Jack on the table. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not sure he wants to be on the table. Maybe we could let him sit in a chair. Well, we'll put him in Jack in the box. Okay. Yeah. All right, you're halfway there. Jack Webb. All right. Bingo. All right. Oh, you, you poor guy. You really had to dig around for that one. So who else is at your dinner table, Richard? You can invite four people. I like uh, four people. Ooh. I think Groucho Marx. Mm -hmm. Or maybe Harpo. And... Uh, Jack Webb and Groucho Marx, what a combination that would be. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Jack Benny. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, so hilarious. And um, I think George Goebel. I would yeah. love to talk to George Goebel. What an interesting choice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, you can have George. And... Uh, Oh, so you're four. Counting on in heaven being able to talk to a lot. I know. It's gonna be. It's gonna take some time. Well, to catch I, up to um, Allegedly, you have plenty of time. That's true. <laughs> That's true. No expiration date to heaven. That's true. Heaven doesn't come with an expiration date. That's true. Well, I think maybe they don't have time. Uh, I think Harry Morgan would be interesting. Oh my gosh! Yes. Oh, my gosh. you just have to sit in the corner and be his victim. What's that? You'd have to just sit in the corner and and be his victim. <laughs> hey, whiz, wasn't he a piece of work? Olden, olden days. I, w I think it would be interesting to talk to James Madison about how, uh, how the Constitution fared. Mm-hmm. Yep, the father of a constitution. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you know, when you see things like uh, um, Egypt. Yeah. You know, those poor people going through all of this, and they have a constitution. Right. And, uh, but it doesn't seem to lend itself to this situation. I don't know. No. I remember after Nixon resigned, um, somebody, who was it? Charlie Wilson, I think, uh, um, the uh, congressman that they made the movie out of about recently, he, uh, he came back to Texas and said, uh, there are no tanks in the streets of Washington, D.C. Everything is calm. Our Constitution has worked once again. Absolutely. And concerning James Madison... We, we have gone through something that in many countries would cause all sorts of uprisings and, and coups and, right. and uh, civil wars, and it's all been done peacefully. And James Madison, I can't remember, is either with 30 or 35 years old. Uh, if you think about the wisdom 
somebody guy had such a very young They age. didn't make this up absolutely out of a vacuum, but uh, well, you know, like, we're creating something that, new. That Constitutional Convention lasted three months. They struggled with that thing. Well, you know, we like to think that, okay, we had the Revolutionary War and everybody was for it and yeah. we beat the British and and then uh, our government sprung forth immediately. Nope. Well, it didn't. Nope, it didn't. We had the Articles of Confederation, right? And we're very lucky that we survived that era. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think it was mainly because uh, England didn't try to come take us back mm-hmm. just then, mm-hmm. uh, because. Uh, uh, that was a terrible form of government. And, of course, the Confederacy tried to do this more or less the same thing less than 90 years later, and they never could follow their Constitution because it, it was too weak. So we've been fighting it out ever since then, the states and the feds and everybody trying to figure out who does what and with which and to whom and we're still still at it mm-hmm. you're still chugging but somehow it works who was it that said that uh it's the worst form of government except for anything else winston churchill <laughs> that's right he said so many cool things <laughs> Well, Richard, I will have Lemon Abner in the mail to you. Now, you know that these are MP3s, and they can't oh, he's a- on a regular CD player unless it's a newish one. Okay. Well, y'all be good. And thank you, sir, for hanging with us. I hope it I hope it warms up. Be safe, please. Well, I mean, you know, next summer we'll be talking about 105 degrees. <laughs> yeah, well, we're not going to complain about it, though, are we? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> you have a great night. Thanks for being with us and for waiting with us. Bye-bye, dear. Bye. Bye-bye. 714 you know, the mice and the cats are out to play. <laughs> yes, come, we are. Come and play with us. We're yes, we wait. are. Well, I've got all of this stuff tonight. I mean, I have got more stuff. I've got enough stuff for the next two weeks. Maybe three. Well, considering, considering our schedule now next week, we're going to have a guest. Mm-hmm. And then the following week, I will be on the road. So Patricia's going to have to figure out what to do with herself. <laughs> on February 19th. I don't know if she's going to, uh, uh, you know? Yeah. And then on the 26th, we'll be on late. And then we, we're into March. Well, the year's almost over. We'll have to start playing Christmas. Wait, I know. I've got a <laughs> folder already. I do. I started my Christmas in July folder. All right. I know. Is this too good or what? That's good. Oh, so, next week, as I started to say, and we'll make sure that we do this later as well, Mr. Schultz, Claire Schultz, um, who wrote Fibber McGee and Molly on the air, was with us on, on the anniversary. What was it, the 75th anniversary last April? Yep, 75th. 75th, and he was with us 
to talk about Fibber McGee and Molly, and one of the things he did for us was one of Fibber's alliterative presentations where you have the pea, pick, and prunes. He put all of the same letters together, and he he must, I'm thinking he wrote it himself because it was not something I was, and he pulled it off without a burp. It was just so cool, and I've asked him if he would consider doing that again with us. You're on the air, right, Patricia? Hello there. Hello. Yoo-hoo. Please say hello. Oh, oh gosh. Oh, oh, anyway, Mr. Shelf will be with us at 10.30 next week when we open the show, or about 10.30. The show will start at 10.30, and he is our guest, and he'll be with us for an hour, maybe an hour and a half, and he has written a second book that was published in 2010. So he is going to be with us, did we say on the 19th? Uh, well, we said we we said um, he'll come back in March. Yeah, I think I think um, I asked him for the nineteenth. I think that's right. We shall talk with him about that. And also, and folks, that. he does have a giveaway if you order his latest book from him directly. Yeah, yeah. Let me see here. We got this. Thank you for the reminder. And all you have to do is contact him through his uh, email, Wistovista seventy nine. I think it's hotmail.com, if I recall. Yes, it is. You're very good. I'm looking for my information. I had it. What did I do with it? I read it last week. (laughs) I put it aside, and it's somewhere here in my mini landfill. I I cleaned up my desk and everything. uh, See what happens when you clean up your desk? I know. It's just a mess. Well, I'll go to the email. He sent me an email. I'll do that in a little bit. Go ahead. But he's got um, two items. I have the items in front of me. One is called an arcade card, and it is uh, probably, let me measure it, maybe three by five. Does that sound right? Mm -hmm. Maybe not even three. It is um, three and a half by five and a half. I was pretty close. Three and a half by five and a half. A photo of a star, and you see, I've got a, I've got one uh, Burt Lancaster. It's a, it's like a black and white photo. And one of the things we're going to have to ask him is where an arcade card came from and where the name came from. But if you order his book, and I'll tell you about that in just a minute, if you order his book directly through him, you get this arcade card, and, and these are the real thing from. You know, the early years, you get an arcade card with a picture of a celebrity, plus, what did he call the Dixie Cup thing? I thought it was the ice cream from a Dixie Cup. Yeah, that's cream. what it is, but he had a special name for it. But anyway, it's a Dixie Cup cover, and the covers came with pictures of stars mm-hmm. underneath the covers. You know, you took it, pulled them off the Dixie Cups, and inside you had pictures of stars. So these are unused Dixie Cups. You didn't get anybody lick marks on it. It <laughs> did not come with ice cream. These are pristine. So you will get those two premiums, and these are authentic from the early years. If you order his book, his current book, which is called On the Screen, On the Air, On My Mind. It is a collection of articles that he wrote, many that have been published over the years and many that are new for this particular book. It's got um, entertainers, 
funny men, ladies, fright meisters, Bella Lugosi, Vincent Price, Boris Karloff, um, the Reliables, let's see who we talked about, it. Reliable was Gabby Hayes, Frank Lovejoy, Alan Ladd, Jack Carson, we haven't talked about Jack Carson ever, um, William Bendix, J. Carol Nash, Howard Duff, and Basil Rathbone. And, I mean, it just goes, the radio shows, it's got a whole list of radio shows here that he talks about, including Fibber McGee and Molly and Our Miss Brooks and The Great Gildersleeve. So it is a big book, and it's really nicely done. It's a nice, sturdy binding. It's paperback. It's a, not paperback, it's soft cover. And it is more than 550 pages long. So you certainly get your money's worth. It's $39.95. That's um, shipping included. And you will get these dandy premiums. I mean, it's just so neat to see these. He sent the book to me as a courtesy, and I, I just think it is so great that I get to read these things, and people are so kind and send them. So anyway, um, if you want information about the book or to order the book, you can get in touch with Mr. Schultz directly, Claire Schultz, C-L-A-I-R. His last name is S-C-H-U-L-Z, no T in it. <coughs> Excuse me. And his email address is Whistle. Vista 79, W-I-S-T-F-U-L-V-I-S-T-A 79 at hotmail.com. And he'd be more than happy to give you information about the book. Worth every penny. This is this is a, a real, this is a dynamite bargain. 714-545-2071. Give us a call. And thank you for letting me tell everybody about that. Oh, it's nice that you can. Yeah. Okay. Now, people who call us for the first time, if you've never talked to Walden and me on the phone, you don't have to be a first-time caller to Yesterday USA, just a first-time caller to talk with Walden and me, you automatically get some radio shows. Mm-hmm. And if you can name them, I can probably find them, maybe. No, that's that's pretty broad, isn't it? I've got a lot of shows. <laughs> if you name a show... <laughs> I have a good chance of having one set that you would like. And we have a question for a Johnny Mathis CD. Would you tell people where we got the Johnny Mathis CDs that I can give away? Johnny's office uh, sent us a box of CDs. This is his latest CDs. Uh, I knew he was a long-time agent for many, many years. And when he passed away, uh, his office, uh, Johnny's office, gave me uh, a Dropped me a CD and a notes. I called to thank them and they said, We can send you more for your listeners. And they sent us a, they sent us a dozen CDs. So Patricia I think it is so cool. Patricia has them in her hot little hands and she will protect them over there at the, at the, uh, the Fort Worth mansion and send them out when the mood strikes her. So we're going to ask for good trivia questions. And Good trivia question, because this, I mean, this is really a very special CD. Yeah, so. and, and this is, and this is, this is, uh, shrimp wrap, things that you could buy in the store now, these, the and, you know, you, so you know those are, if you wouldn't buy them in the store, you know, it cost you a couple of dollars for sure. Uh, manufactured, sealed. Yes. Type stuff. Yeah. The name of the album is Johnny Mathis, Let It Be Me, mm-hmm. Mathis in Nashville. Mm-hmm. These are all Nashville-type songs. What a Wonderful World, Let It Be Me, Make the World Go Away, Crazy, Southern Nights, You Don't Know Me. Love in Arms, Shenandoah. I really need to hear that one. We Must Be Lovin' Right. I don't know that one. 
I can't stop loving you. Boy, you know, Nashville people really know how to do love, right? Uh Love me tender, please help me, I'm falling in love with you. Mm -hmm. And what a wonderful world, the Christmas version. So here is the Johnny Mathis CD question. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is not a Johnny Mathis question. It is a question to get the Johnny Mathis CD. And Googling is fine. Who rode a chestnut mare named Dusty? I have asked this uh, or mentioned this at least three different times during a show, you know, at three different times over the course Mm -hmm. of the last year, probably just the last six months. So if you were listening and you know who rode a chestnut mare named Dusty, you can have a Johnny Mathis CD. I'll give you a big hint. Oh, no hints. Okay. No. Okay. You, you and your I'm telling you, okay. ask Walden, well, what color was that rock, or where did, where did that rock come from? Well, let me, I don't know yet, but I can tell you the mountain was 17,000 feet high, and it, you're a rascal. Well, I thought the hit one hurt. Oh, go ahead. Um, it, was not, it was not George Washington. No, his, he had a white horse. So it was not the father of our country. I just want to give oh, that well, to him. I thought you were really... You just hop around. You're like a little kid. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I got something. I got something. Ooh, ooh. Let me tell. Let me tell. You are so bad. <laughs> you're lovable. I know. You're adorable. You guys should talk to your adorable. She's awake. Yeah, she's awake. <laughs> 714-545-2071. Okay, now, working on the list here, we've got my weekly Stump Walden question, Mm -hmm. and I will get to that in a minute. Are you braced? Are you ready? ready. We also, Patricia also received a gift this week, which we might want to talk about that. What? Oh, my, oh, that was today? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's next on the list. It says, my weekly Stump Walden question, and then the next line is mistletoe. You know? Talking about? You know, folks, can you believe it? Patricia has this 35-page report she types up during the week, and I'm number 21 on here, Stump Walden, you know. Oh, no. no? I'm, I'm on page one of four. Uh, and you're, Stan Stump Walden is on page one. Page one? Yeah. What, what, what item? Well, your question is on page two. <laughs> <laughs> but let's see. Um, we had the theme and just my regular stuff about trivia and first-time callers uh-huh. and the phone number. Uh-huh. And Johnny Mathis and Walden. Now that's pretty cool. Pretty nice. I made it to the first page. You, you've been usurped by Johnny Mathis only. Or well, I can't sing as good as Johnny, so that's okay. <laughs> Nobody sings as well as Johnny. Okay, mistletoe. Ralph, if you are out there, please pick up the phone and call. I have absolutely lost it. Ralph said last week he was going to send me some mistletoe. Mm -hmm. I expected this little sprig in an envelope. Mm -hmm. Well, it came in a box. It's not quite the size of a shoebox, but it's full. And it looks really nice. And it looks like it's got um, the beginning of, you know, it's it's got rough surface on the stems, which are woody. They're not, you know, they're not like limbs of a tree, but they're woody. Uh, They're not really stems either. Branches branches, that's the word. They're, they've got a woody texture to them, but it looks like uh, ivy. It, it, that You could get little roots coming out uh-huh. like ivy does and, and sticks on the side of buildings. So 
I'm going to plan some of it, Ralph. And if you don't hear from me next year, it's because I'm getting strangled by mistletoe. I was going to sneak out in the yard and see if I could stick it on a bush out in the yard. I mean, I'm in an apartment building, so, you know, I can't dig in the dirt or anything around here. But Walton reminded me that I've got this nifty, I'll explain that one time, but I've got garden stuff on my patio. Yep. So maybe I could plant some and get taken over in my apartment. That's right. <laughs> I won't even have to walk outside you to do will this. Have, it'll be, if you decorate the apartment with it. Yeah. Wow. I'll have white berries. But anyway, Ralph, please call in and let the people know what else you put in that box. That's right. And if you don't call in, I will have to Keep it share the week. information. But it was priceless. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely priceless. So you want my stump? You get ready to give me my question? Sure. Do you want it? Sure. Even say happy birthday to our special stars. Alden's question. Well, today Ronald, Ronald Reagan would have been 100 today. <gasps> Is it his birthday? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Our president from February 6th. Sunday, February 6th, uh, 1911, would have been 100 today. Ah, uh, see, and I only did February 5th. I should have done the 6th. I, I should do this because we're always here until Sunday. Well, I know. I guess we could always do both. Yeah, I mm -hmm. should do both. And our friend Janet Waddle, her birthday was Friday. Happy birthday, Janet. Birthday, Janet. And... Judy gets in. Any, any, anybody else's birthday, you can give us a call. We can sing to you, happy birthday to you. But, you know... If you if you call and you don't want us to sing happy birthday to you, you'd be a very smart person. Aww. I can't sing. You can sing beautifully. I cannot sing. Yes, oh, you dear. can. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Yes, you can. I want to be adorable. I don't have to sing if I'm adorable. I know. But you remember, if you ever saw the Broadway musical Annie Get Your Gun, it's just the song between, you know, yes, I can. Yes, I can. can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yeah. <laughs> I, re I remember that. Uh -huh. No, I can't. Yep. Yep. But I can't. I can't. Okay, here comes your question. And then I'll do my three happy birthdays. Mm -hmm. Last week, this is a gotcha, and I know I've said, I've, I've told you this a couple of times, so I know that you've at least had an opportunity to mentally store this piece of information. The day he held puppy farm. <laughs> The Daisy Hill Puppy Farm. At the Daisy Hill Puppy Farm. <laughs> so you thought I was going to ask that question? No, I guess that was a good one to see if I could see if I get you, guess uh, if I could tick you to tickle a little. Yes, it, it was a big tickle. I didn't I didn't expect that one. No. <laughs> that was good. Okay, here is your question. And this, I know you know this, or I know you had an opportunity to know this, so... Last week, we played Floorwalker McGee from December 4th, 1951, and he was out being a floorwalker, mm -hmm. and at the end of the show, discovered that while he was at the Bonton filling in as floorwalker for more tubes, right. he was supposed to be someplace else. Right, across the street. What was the name of the, the store across the street? Uh, 
Let's see, the broadcast was December... December 4th, 1951. Well, everybody wait, I'll go get the show and we'll find out. No. Um... <laughs> he was at the Barn Tom, mm -hmm. and he was supposed to be someplace else. And it was the only show that I know of that said Wistful Vista had two department stores. Mm. And it probably didn't. They just created mm -hmm. one for this show. going to throw yourself on your sword when I tell you. Did you go to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I went and had one before the show. Oh, okay. I just wondered. There wasn't any noise over there. Oh, you want noise? No. <laughs> oh, you're going to set off your, your toys again? There we go. Ow. Or... Well, that one's okay. That one's good. Clock. That one until you answer the question. Tick, 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 tick. What is the name of the other department store in Wistful Vista? I'm not. No, 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 no. You don't get applause until you do something. You don't get laughter either. You know what Lucy Van Pelt's philosophy is? If you're going to be wrong, be wrong at the top of your lungs. Ooh, I'll, I'll take that one. I'll have that. Okay, what was the name of the other department store in Wistful Vista? Time is ticking. Bonton. Well, that was the regular one, other than the Bonton. He showed up at the Bonton. Mm -hmm. Where was he supposed to be? Walden is admitting he didn't listen to the show last week. Was that you? Yeah. Well, you really are struggling. You're struggling as hard as Richard did. Uh-huh. Are you ready for the answer? No. Was that a yes or a no? No, nope, not yet. Not yet. Okay. I'll just keep talking here then, okay? Uh-huh. And you keep the... Are you... Walden, are you getting out the show? Uh-huh. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. 3,000 miles, and I knew what you were doing. Okay. Well, while he's looking for the answer, and he's going to try to get away with saying, I knew it all the time. Here it is. Um... Last week in the show, Floor Walker McGee. Let's see here. Got it? I'm okay, <laughs> you're working on it. Fibber mentioned celery tonic. And I just happened to have found, finally, a recipe for celery tonic. And if anybody has ever heard of celery tonic, please give us a call and let me know. I had never heard of this before. It's an honest to goodness item. And it has survived all of these years. Let's see, he's definitely give us a clue. What? Come on, come on, show. <laughs> and we were going to talk about writing for Elliot Lewis, too. I know. Well, I, I thought I was I think it, it mentioned at the end of the show, and I give up. I thought it would be fun to hear the clip of the show, the, the tagline in here. Yeah, oh, it's, it's way at the end. Yeah. 
take a show. Well, this is quite a day, kiddo. I got an offer from the downtown department store to work steady. Is it Paul Walker? Yep. At the downtown department store? Nope. The downtown wants me to work at the bomb town. What? Got it. Uh-huh. You mean the downtown wants you to work at the bomb town, and the bomb town wants you to work at the downtown because you work at the bomb town with such a help to the downtown that between the downtown and the bomb town... No, the bomb no, town. please, kiddo. Good night. Good night, all. And there we go. Hello, Carl. You are on the air. Did you know it was a downtown apartment store? I called to help you, but then you... I know. Did you remember it? Oh, yes. Oh, the steel trap line. How are you? Feeling trapped, I guess. <laughs> oh, you were just a little bit too late. Walden was really... Yeah, I, I, I tried twice, and I missed out. I'm using an old cell phone that not too conducive for dialing for me, and I dialed the wrong number, or I would have made it. Thank did you goodness wake, it wasn't you, anybody's did number. Did you wake somebody up? No, it no. wasn't anybody's number. Oh, okay. Uh, unless it was a lady that says you dialed the wrong number. Uh-huh. She might have been awake. <laughs> so there, there have got to be people out there. I was talking with Walden when we talked the other night. That, um, I periodically would do work for a publication that included pages of what they considered important phone numbers and resources for people and I had to verify easily a hundred telephone numbers every year and 911 was one that I could count on. I didn't have to call 911 to make sure 911 still operated but everything else I had to call and I used to do it at you know two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning because when I did it during the day I would always get a person and the person would say well and What am I going to say? Well, I'm doing work for a magazine, and I'm verifying phone numbers. And the answer would be, well, what magazine are you working for? No, 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 I just need to verify. Well, I have to, you know. So I'd wind up engaged in conversations with people a hundred times. So I used to do this at night and wait for answering machines and and recordings and voicemails to pick up. And then I'd know I had the right number, except one of the numbers they had listed from the year before had turned out to be a private residence. And I called this poor man at 4.30 in the morning to tell him I had a wrong number. Um, and, and I mean, what are you going to do? I did wake him up. I was so embarrassed. Well, <clears throat> I guess that's one of the hazards of the job. I know. Well, it wasn't his hazard, but... <laughs> well, no, it was your hazard, but... Uh, yeah. He wound I up. guess if you only got one out of that bunch like that, you were mighty lucky. Yeah, and I did it every year. So you're right. I was very fortunate. And I've got this little touch of dyslexia so I transpose numbers if I don't say them out loud when I'm dialing so I, I really am very fortunate that I didn't mess up more than that one time but it really was embarrassing to get this poor guy out of bed at 4.30 in the morning mm. <sighs> he didn't know I was adorable and I didn't stop to tell him well he might have told you something anyway but I, I don't know it would have been you were adorable it was not adorable. He did not say nice words about me, I guess, after I hung up. But, oh, that was not a good one. Okay. Oh, no, Who what, would you oh, have? I do know why it is, too. I get calls. And they seem to come in spells, though. You'll have two or three in a month, and then it'll go for quite a while, and not any. But <clears throat> I get calls to come tow someone's car in at 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh. Or did I tow a car? And stuff like that. And I know why it is, but people, 
I guess, don't pay attention. In the phone book, my company is under West Antenna. Uh-huh. And it's under <clears throat> um, Towers. Okay. Well, the next heading... Uh, oh, towing and towers. Towers. And they don't know the difference between tower and tow. And that's why I get the calls. Well. But I've, I've held, you know, I've, I've stayed under control, and I've never told one of them, we will be right out. You're a good person. Well, you know what, you know what the, um, and, and, as you were saying it, T-O-W-E-R-S, they are reading it towers. Yeah, exactly. Opposed to towers, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, th I think tower would be T-O-E-R-S. I'm not a speller either, so if I'm wrong, that's too bad. But it would be T-O-W-E-R-S. So I know why they're doing it, but um, I still get calls at 2 or 3 o'clock. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I moved to an apartment here. Um, it was quite a while ago. It was a different apartment from what I'm in now. It was the first apartment I ever had in my whole life. And I moved just over the line from my old telephone uh, exchange area, so I had to get a new telephone number. And I did not know it, but they gave me a number that was out of service for six months for a place called Boat Lovers of America and they rented boats in southwest Florida. I am on the Gulf of Mexico with bays and just water all over the place. And in a tourist-oriented area, I had easily 10 phone calls every other day looking for people looking for boats. And, I mean, it wasn't their fault. This guy was still in the phone book, and the phone company just gave me this number without telling me what it had been ahead of time. Well, just, they don't tell you. No, I just made out a list of boat rental places and said, no, I'm not the right one, but here are a couple you could try. And, you know, it, it was it was nice for them. They appreciated that I, you know, I did that, and it certainly wasn't any big trouble for me to look up a couple of phone numbers, but it, it could get frustrating when they called at, you know, 4 and 5 o'clock in the morning looking to go out fishing. <laughs> well, I got a new, or I got a residential phone. Uh-huh. In my house, and um, the number they gave me, I mean, I, I had the thing probably close to a year, and most all the calls I ever got were collection calls. Oh, my. And I, you know, I finally asked one day, you know, who it was, and all they told me the whole name and all that stuff. Well, they kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. The local school sister would call to tell me that, um, their children would be out on such and such a day or they were having a parent-teacher meeting or some such thing as that. Well, I finally changed, had the phone number changed. Mm -hmm. And I told them why I had it changed. Well, they were sorry. And all this well, um, came in on the bill, you know. Uh, you get charged for having a phone number changed. Oh. Well, I didn't say anything. You know, I wanted it, I wanted it changed. Well, turn around, and here comes another bunch of collection calls over for somebody else. Oh, my gosh. I got a third one. I'm still getting collection calls for some, another person. I don't think there's any phone numbers out there 
that aren't for somebody that owes somebody something, and they're trying to run them down. Isn't that interesting? Well, when I, when I moved into my apartment here, I called and told them what they had done to me in my last apartment and said, I want numbers that have not been issued ever before. And they gave them to me in sequence. I've got, you know, fax and phone, and they gave me two phone numbers in sequence that had never been given out before. I was the first one to have them. So I avoided that kind of a problem, but it's just... Well, I didn't ask for it in that particular manner. If it comes up again, I will try that. And I don't know if they would even do it now. I've had these numbers for quite a while. Um, I, right. think, I think that's why they should have ran out in combinations, you know, in some areas. Yeah. Like out here in California, uh, you know, they've gone through all the combinations, you know, that's why they keep... Yeah, I'm on my third area code since mm-hmm. I've been here in Southwest Fly, one, two, three, yeah, this is the third one. Well, now, I know now it's gotten to the point to make a local call, I basically have to call my area code. Really? Yeah, that's where we are now. I when I gotta make there, a local. There's I, quite a few cities that are like that. Yeah, I gotta call one seven one four in the local number. Wow. Yeah, that's where we are at now. So you really are gobbled up. Yeah, we are. We just keep getting broken up, broken up, broken up into smaller and smaller mm-hmm. pieces. Well, I know Barbara had the same problem. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't have her name in phone book. She just had two initials and her last name. Uh-huh. Well. The collection agency got after her, and the first name was the name of somebody that they were hunting for. It was a man, and they were hunting for him for, you know, to pay a bill. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she told them that she wasn't him. Well, it's in the phone book as B.A. in the last name, and we know you are him. <laughs> she said... I'm not a him, and my name is not, um, you know, the man's name. My name is Barbara Ann. Well, that's not true. We found this in, on the Internet, and we know that you're who we're looking for. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't believe the stink that's been over that. Uh, that happened to We finally, you know, looked for him on the Internet. Uh-huh. And found him in a town south of Greensboro, a little town called Ashboro. And I know what happened. He moved just because, you know, he couldn't do anything else. And, and they keep looking for Greensboro and not just trying to find him, period. Yeah. But I know that's what he's bound to have done because it's an unusual name. Uh, I'd never heard it before. Yeah. I mean, it's, it wasn't like Bill or something like that. If it happened to our family, you know, my, my, uh, people who would charge up credit cards, like the same uh, like, uh, department store, and they, they would have the exact same name as my dad. And then they would, you know. Uh, well, you had a time with that. Oh, yeah. So that, we had to go through that a few times over the years. That, that's not us. You know, even if the, if the, uh, not the same name. You know, it's the same name, but it's not the right person. Uh-huh. You know. Uh-huh. Well, I'm, I'm glad to say one thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever run into, but uh, two Harwoods that were other than a last name. And one was a ham radio operator in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Don't even remember his last name. And in a list of people on Skype, there was one in um, Spain. And I think he had the whole name. 
or the middle and last name. It was uh, Roger Harwood West, mm. I think. Oh, my goodness. And that's as close as I've ever seen. But, you know, it sounded like an American to me, but I guess he was living in Spain, but that's where he said he was. Wow. <laughs> I never did talk to him or anything. I just saw it in a list. But I think those, now I've seen it as a last name, but those are the only two times I've ever seen it as a first or middle name. I I thought I was doing Walden Shoes out there on the internet, and I found another Walden Shoes at the college music, so I dropped them an email and know that we share the same name. I, I ran Walden Hughes when you told me that. Yeah. Recently. Uh-huh. You're all over the place out there. Isn't that something? And, and it's not, I don't mean you, I mean the name Walden Hughes. Isn't and that it's something? not just the two of you. Isn't that something? How about that? That's amazing. It is. I, I guess it, it would really be surprising if you didn't know how many times your name repeated, um, even currently, much less over, say, 50 years or 100 years mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. And before I forget it, I meant to tell you last week, and we got wrapped up with something, I forgot it, that um, those, um, oh, heck, the end of the um, um, Have Gone With Travel radio show that I was really trying to find, you know, the uh, theme. Oh, yeah. I finally got that thing on my cell phone as a ringtone. Oh, hooray! How did and you, I, did I don't the, even want to know. The Dwayne Eddy one, too, but yeah. the, the um, uh, radio show one is the primary one. I mean, that's the one I really did want. Uh-huh. But it took me forever to get somebody to put that thing on because I did not know what to do with it. And uh, That's neat. That's I finally got it there. That was Bob Bro, who is one of Yesterday USA's DJs, pulled that together. And... Um, mm -hmm. So he yeah, I, he's the one I listen to his show it. quite often, and uh, I did send him an email and thanked him for that. You know, you, cool. can, you know, people do get in trouble with the ringtone. Really? Yes, I'll tell you the story. Uh, a good friend of all of us, uh, you know, he's married, and with the ringtone, you can put it for different people, you know, that call your phone, they have a different ring. Well, his wife did not know what the song he had picked out for her. Until they were at the store, and they were browsing, and she called his cell phone. And she was not too happy with the song he picked for her. Especially when she heard it. Ding dong, the witch is dead. That's right. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I'm, 
I just, well, I wasn't. That was the thing. Well, you're a pretty smart guy, so that's that's hard to imagine what happened. What happened? Hey, what? What happened? You're a smart guy. How in the world did he get caught? Well, I just wasn't thinking, but okay. see, I haven't, up until the last two years, I haven't been active on HF, on the HF bands, which are your, they're called high frequency, but it's what most people would call shortwave bands. It's long haul stuff and all this. Well, 40 years ago, <clears throat> when I was active, um, I operated, or I checked into a traffic net, an emergency traffic net here in North Carolina. And what they do is handle free um, telegrams for anybody who wants to send one as a training thing, you know, preparedness type thing in case of an emergency. Well, I got this message for a B. Eld, well, that was the last name, and it had a, a, a call sign with it. Well, you know, I knew that they were ham, and they lived here in Greensboro, so I called to deliver the message, and this lady answered the phone, and I told her that I was a ham operator, and I had a message for her husband, and she said, who is that? And I said, B.L., and she said, my husband's dead. I am B.L. Uh-oh. He was, and she only worked at CW, and she was a pretty high-speed operator. <laughs> But I felt stupid, as I don't know why. Oh, yeah. The should have told me something, but I wasn't thinking. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, why would you even think of in that direction? It's not most well, typical. Um, it's not common. I wasn't thinking as B, being like Beatrice, and I guess it must have been her name, but I didn't ever ask her. I just thought of it as an initial. Sure. and. You know, I thought Bill or Bird or whatever. I, I really didn't give it any thought, but uh, I never pulled that trick again. Yep, and I, I can identify with it. I did an article about the construction industry one time, and the editor gave me two or three names I had to call, and one of them went by the name of CJ. I can't recall what the last name was. And I called and said, may I please speak with Mr. So-and-so, or Mr. So-and-so uh-huh. in the construction industry with the name CJ was a woman. She owned a construction company. Oh, yes. Well, I, I tell you, I, <clears throat> I got another one one time. A friend of mine, it was a ham. Uh, he sold equipment for, mostly for woodwork or furniture plants. It was woodworking equipment, and we're talking, you know, high-dollar stuff is the biggest part of what he sold in the half a million dollars up category for one piece of equipment. And I asked him one time, I needed a tenant cutter that would, you mount it on a motor and it cuts a tenant on the end of a, a dowel, which is a, a shoulder for a glue joint. And I had no idea where to find one. Well, he told me, he said, well, um, I'll order one for you. Um, there's a, a machine shop in Michigan, I can't remember the town, it was called Big Nails Machine Shop. Well, I didn't think nothing about it. Well, it went on for years, and I needed another one, a different size. So I called him up, and, yeah, he remembered the thing and all, and I said, well, could you order another one? He said, no, you, you can call and order it. I'll give you the number. So I put it down, and I called up there. The, the phone rang, and somebody picked it up, and this voice said, Big Nails Machine Shop. 
and it was obviously a woman. And I didn't think I wanted to make her mad. <laughs> but anyway, I ordered what I wanted, and next time I talked to him, I said, I'll tell you one thing, I think I know how come they call it Big Nails Machine Shop. He said, you're right, she can slap your neck and hide your clothes. <laughs> the kind of person you're very grateful was not your mom growing up. You're right. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Oh, wow. I'll do one more and I'll leave it alone. I had it for- used to do some tower work for me. He had this guy with him. They went out to work on an AM broadcast tower. And they don't ever, an AM broadcast tower, the whole tower is the antenna, and it's hot. And they don't want to cut them off because they're off the air if they do that before you work on them. So you've got to work on the thing with it hot. Wow. Now, at one time, there was no regulations about this, and it wouldn't cut the power back or anything. And you can't stand on the ground and touch one of these things. It would burn you big time. So what they would do was is to lean a wooden or ladder against the tower and climb that and then reach over and grab the tower. Whoa. Or they would stand on something and jump and grab the tower. But you didn't want to be between the ground and the tower. Well, now they make them cut the power back. Um, I don't remember. It's either 50 or 100 watts is all they'll allow them to run while you're on the tower. But they didn't then. But anyway, this this guy went to work on the tower, and he had this new guy, and he was, he was there as a helper, and he had really never done tower work before and didn't know anything about it. And he wanted to climb a tower. Well, Jimmy Thompson said, no, you don't want to climb that tower. And, you know, he didn't want him up there because he didn't know what he was doing or nothing else. And he said, you don't want to climb it. Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to climb that tower. He said, this is an AM tower, and it's hot. So if you climb that tower, all your kids will be born naked. <laughs> and the guy never did get it. <laughs> anyway, so much for all of that. That's all I got to say about that tonight. The chestnut horse. We never had anything but black and white television. And I'm vaguely remembering something that is probably incorrect, but I want to guess at it. Uh, who the guy was that had it. This is from radio. Okay. Okay. I'm, going, I'm not going to guess that. Although he was on radio, too. But it would just be a wild guess, that's all. Okay. You can take a wild guess. Was it by any wild chance Johnny Mac Brown? Nope. Okay. Wait, I don't have a clue. Hey, Mac Brown, I never heard of Johnny Mac Brown. Who was that? You're not serious. I'm serious. She's just a little girl. She's just a little kid. What did I miss? But she's been into radio, so to speak. I know, but she's still still a little kid. For how long have I been into radio? Well, I don't know that, but you've been in enough. I mean, you know, it's not quite up to the status of Roy Rogers and... Gene Autry, but it ain't far from it. <laughs> well, I do thank you. I've been doing this maybe six or seven years. I can't believe this. So I'm a little kid. Well, maybe you better look him up. Okay. But he was on radio as well. Uh, 
Oh, this is embarrassing. I recall Walter can correct me on this. I think that is his real name. I was. I feel sure he's dead mm -hmm. now, but that was his real name, I think. Well, tell me about him. Well, he just did Western. I never saw him in anything else. I didn't even know he existed. Well, then it's all your fault. I know. That's okay. Yeah, he always had a thing on the, well, I just saw him on the TV shows. I did not see, you know, big screen movies because I hardly ever went to the movies. I don't think I went more than two or three times in my life. But nevertheless, he had a thing that I thought was so neat. But once, you know, you're grown and think about it, it is... Well, as we would say, it sure ain't practical. <laughs> but he would always, he would always get in a fight with a bad guy, as you know, and he would wind up on the second story of the t main street of town. Uh huh. And he would come out a window on the roof over the sidewalk near the boardwalk. Right. And run to the edge and jump down on to his horse and take off. A lot of them did that. Now. At the time, I think others did it too, but he was the main one I ever saw doing this. But at the time, you, I did, even as a kid, I had a question. <laughs> Who ties their horse at the hitching rail back then? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it didn't make a lick of sense, but <clears throat> I guess it looked good. And I mean, you know, you say, well, he had a tie on the other side of the street. You can't jump that far. I know they had narrow streets, but you still can't jump that far. The horse was backed up to the building that he jumped off of. And you just don't tie a horse like that. No, you don't tie a horse by the tail. No. <laughs> it's got... <laughs> Not to mention the fact, uh, who's the one tie when he takes off? <laughs> you don't parallel park a horse. No. But... Doesn't it hurt? I mean, when you jump off a roof. Well, see, that was that was what I looked at. Um, I don't think that would do the horse a whole lot of good to have a 150 or 200 pound man come off a roof, even you know, a roof from a first story level. Yeah. And but, land on his back. I I just. But I think doesn't make sense. I would think the rider's rump would be a little sore too. I'm I'm thinking the rider. I mean, well, I, I don't think it'd help either one. And with a saddle horn, you better yeah. not miss. I mean, oh, gee. You know, even a football player isn't prepared for that. No, nobody is really, I don't think. <laughs> but, you know, you, do, you see a lot of things in the movies you can't. Yeah. I mean, even watch. when I was a kid, I would see this and say, oh, oh, ouch. I mean, it really looks like it hurts. Never mind the poor horse. Poor horsey. Okay, are, are you ready for a real question? Yes. Okay. Ribber McGee and Molly, what was Oldie's last name? We tried this one last week and, and got a miss on it. Uh, well, I know it. 
now and try to get it to come up. <laughs> Only. You're good at this, too. Or, no, I'm, I'm. Ornfinson or something like that. You go. Svensson, you're absolutely right. Good job. You done good. Mm. You, are, you are really good at this. Oh, well, you can pull. Oh, that was just pure luck. Oh, you can pull bunnies out of your hat. That's right. You you do good. All right. What shows are we up to? What would you like? Uh, Fort Laramie. Fort Laramie. Yes. Okay. I don't. How many shows are are in existence on Fort Laramie? Oh, about Baldwin? thirty-eight or forty. Let me see how many I Something have. Like I think there's any real large quantity. Yeah, no, it's just one year, basically. Lower me. 1956. Ooh, talk. Hold on. I know it's here. Fort Laramie. Fort Laramie. Oh, I've got quite a few. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Hold on just a second. Do, 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 do. I have got. It looks like I've got about 40, maybe 41. Sure. So you probably got the whole run there. I've, I've got the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sure. That's fine. Thank you for asking for something I have. I've got, I've got the Green Hornet this week, too. I hadn't had time to play any of it, but I got it. Okay. Good stuff on there. I really like the Green Hornet. <laughs> the, the biggest ball game. Even, even He-Man could not reach. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, um, in a way, it's kind of funny, but, you know, they talk about the Black Beauty and the, the, um, oh, the roar of the powerful engine and all this stuff. Yeah. And it sounds like a T-model taking off. It sounds like a what? A T-model taking off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I guess at this I always... time, it was all right. I always thought it was peculiar that we had a Green Hornet and a Black Beauty. There didn't seem to be any connection. Oh, no, I think I got a feeling the Black Beauty was in reference to the book. It was a means of transportation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Black Beauty was a horse, and, of course, I couldn't be using a horse at the time period, so right. that's what he named his car. Now, that may be just a wild guess. That's just what I... He was just colorblind. That's why he couldn't pick it out. <laughs> he didn't even know he was running around in a green mask. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, it, it was, uh, it's a peculiarity to me that you get somebody running around in a green suit driving a black car. Although a green car would not really be romantic. Well, no. But, you know, I guess a green car at the time would have been something that would really stand out. Although I know they had green cars then, but I would say the biggest percentage of the cars at the time were black. Yeah, back in the 30s, it, it would have been. Be more anonymous. Well, if you have a guy running around pretending he's a hornet, I guess you could pretend he had a green car. Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. Well, I think we ought to... Um, Maybe that was kind of like the, like I said, the Model T Fords. Um, I think Henry Ford said you can get any color you want as long as it's black. Mm -hmm. Black, yes. <laughs> yeah. He was good. He had a, he had a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. He was a good right. guy. 
Dirk's a smart businessman. He raised his employee's salary in 1913 to what dollar number a day in order to buy his cars? I'm sure it wasn't much, but I do not know. It was a pretty good, pretty good increase in salary. You know, Patricia, in 1913, oh. he he made his, he increased his employees to earn five dollars a day because he wanted to make sure they could buy his cars. And I think a brand new uh, T model cost eight hundred dollars. I had heard that. So well, let's see. Keep talking. Keep talking. And we're talking about cars and everything else. Model T cost. Um, one of them said two hundred and fifty dollars. Eight hundred and fifty dollars in nineteen oh eight. Eight hundred and fifty dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. It would be a lot of money. It says the equivalent, and this is in 2011, the equivalent to $20,043 today. That's a lot of money for a car. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we bought a car, the first one we had, actually, in 1967. It was a 66 Pontiac, but the 67th had come out. So, but it, you know, it was still still in still a new car, but it was three thousand mm. dollars. And they probably wouldn't even let you look, walk through the lot for that now. No, right. <laughs> you can't buy a can't buy something out of the vending machine in a dealership for that amount of. Isn't that the truth? You're right. Uh, let's see, in the mid-20s, now somebody is, is claiming it was $290. That's that's not right. Well, I think my, because there are Jack Benny radio shows in 1934 were talked about buying cars for about 450 bucks or something. So prices of cars are starting to go down. Huh. This is supposed to be out of a book by Ford. Forbes, F-O-R-B-E-S. Mm. $250, that doesn't sound right. My dad remembers... During the uh, Great Depression, the 30s, able to buy, buy, I guess, what the Model T came out before the Model A, I'm, I'm, whatever the older version of those two. Uh -huh. The T came out first. I yeah. don't know why, but that's the case. He remembers that you could buy one in the 30s for $5. Well, yeah. I know. You probably could at that point yeah. because you were right in the middle of the Depression, and yeah. if anybody had a car, they wanted the money worse, I think. Yeah, sure. So they're, they're talking about um, in the, looks like in the 20s. Now, when it first came out in 1908, it was $850, and they're talking about it being $290 in the mid-20s. So would the price have come down that far? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. It would be, I mean, they'd, they'd really be in mass production yeah. assembly line, but good by then. So that's interesting. Well, you know, that possibly could have brought it down drastically, but that still seems like a bunch. Because, you know, Ford was the responsible for the mass assembly, and I think right. they started that around 1913, 1915 or so. So that, that would have been right. The first mm -hmm. car out in 1908, and then then got into the mass production assembly line, mm -hmm. so the, car, the price of the cars came down. So that was probably right, 290 in the mid-20s. Around 1924. Hmm. And I may be changing the subject, but we're in the same time period. I've got a question about something you said a few weeks ago. 
and I haven't thought about it when I called. You were talking about the first income tax being around the time of the Civil War. I thought that the first income tax was in 1913. Where did I get that? At the um, when we when we passed the Constitution, when we passed one of the amendments, uh, that's when the uh, income tax come in play. So maybe okay. these are maybe these are state taxes during the Civil War. I'm not sure. All right. Well, that, that's what I kept wondering about. Mm-hmm. Anyway, my mother was born in 1913, and of course she had no idea about the taxes one way or the other. Okay. You know what else came in? You know what other amendments were passed in 1913 besides the income tax one? Not right offhand. Do you, Patricia? I'm, I'm sorry. I was reading something. Say that again, please. Uh, uh, Harley was asking me, we were talking about 1913, where we uh, one of our amendments to the Constitution would pass to uh, pass the state in- the federal income tax. Yeah. What other amendment would pass in 1913? 1913. Yes. Prohibition was the 18th Amendment. Mm-hmm. 13th. Um, was, was that the uh, women's vote? No, that was I don't know. It's it's a time when we got the chance to vote directly for U.S. senators. Ah, okay. Yeah. Now, what I'm looking at here, Walden, I I need to hop backwards and find some additional information, but I don't want to let this go. Uh-huh. It says uh, the War of 1812 brought about the nation's first sales tax. Okay. Um, and, but the first income tax was 1913. Right. That's what Harvard was asking about. He he was also talking to you about the Civil War. I think you mentioned something about attacks being levied during the Civil War. Right. Okay, hold on. <laughs> and that was correct. Mm-hmm. Sales tax have been different from a, from an income tax. A forerunner of our income tax, um, 1862, enacted the nation's first income tax law. It was the forerunner of our income tax. Now, everything on the Internet is true. So... <laughs> Well, I guess it could have been. I'm curious here. How could an 1862 income tax be a law, but it didn't apply until 1913 when it was an amendment? I mean... They they enacted um, a uh, money-raising system for this, let's see, okay, efforts to raise war revenue through various methods of taxation proved ineffective. The Confederate Congress Confederate Congress enacted a minor tariff in eighteen sixty one but contributed only three point five million in four years. That same year Congress implemented a small direct tax, point oh five percent I'm sorry, oh point five percent, so half a percent on real and personal property. So it wasn't income, it was real property and personal property. Um Okay, so it was a property tax, not an income tax. That's what it says. Reprising the scenario played out during the Revolutionary War, most states did not collect the tax at all. Ah, now I remember. Preferring to meet their quota by borrowing money or printing state notes to cover it. Does that sound familiar, boys and girls? (laughs) Uh, Okay. Um, The Davis administration, so we're back in the Confederacy here, turned to loans to finance the initial bulk of war debts. 
riding a wave of patriotic enthusiasm in 1861, the Treasury earned $15 million selling out their first bond issue. But this is Confederacy that we're talking about here. In the state of Georgia, union war financing. Here we go. Um, Congress, Congress ratcheted up tariff rates, so we're talking about tariffs, throughout the war, beginning in 1862 with the Morrill Tariff Act, which reversed the downward trend instituted by the Democrats between 46 and 57. Okay, so we're talking about tariffs, not an actual income tax here. Right. Okay. What I'm wondering... About. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Harold, and I have another idea. Uh, I just... I was just going to make a comment. She was talking about states printing money. Mm -hmm. I have one that my mother had, and I cannot find it to save my soul. I think it's in a file cabinet in a folder, but I cannot find it. But I have, I know at least one and possibly two 50-cent paper bills printed by the state of North Carolina sometime in the 1830s. Mm. I don't know if they're really worth anything, but um, I just thought it was unusual. Yeah, it's it's a smaller bill than what you are familiar with now. I would say it's probably in the ballpark of an inch and a half to two inches by oh, maybe three and a half inches from what I remember. It's been a lot of years since I saw it. Right. So. Well, remember 1830s when we started to have the uh, fight over the state versus national banks. And I wonder if the local banks were issuing their own currency. I don't remember. But I think a lot of states were. Yeah. And I think they were even later than that. Yeah. Uh, but I know they were before. I think every state issued. Yeah. I was just thinking, are, are states in the South going to celebrate uh, the 150th year at the beginning of the Civil War this year? Well, okay. true, true Southerners will. Mm-hmm. Are you really? Forge probably won't. Mm-hmm. Huh. Hmm. And Patricia? I'm here. You better celebrate. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and participate. I'm a great sideline kid. <laughs> she's, she's a Yankee who lives in the South. I'm a Southern Yankee. Yeah. Yeah. That does not compute. They, they, when they play... She's a Southern Belle. Do you stand up? Say what? When they play Dixie, do you stand up? No. Why not? Am I fired? <laughs> it, it's a national anthem. Oh, I don't think so. Well, certainly it is. Well, maybe not in New York. Democracy <laughs> anthem. Huh? But it's not. A, it it can't be a national anthem if it's not universal throughout all of the states. Well, it is in the CSA. In the South, right? Well, in the CSA. Well, but that's not... Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm looking for something... The, the, the national anthem that you are familiar with uh -huh. is not a national anthem in England. No, it's not. Or France. It's the United States national anthem. Right. Dixie is a CSA national anthem. <sighs> okay. Whatever. All right. I was I was looking. You may eventually. I was looking for this. information for you. Huh? On currency, and um, printed currency. 
And I have information from a website, but I didn't write down which website I got it from. <laughs> I'll find it. It's got pages and pages and pages of printed certificates with prices. It's a collector's place. So um, maybe I can find out how much your certificate is worth, assuming you can... Well, it would be curious to know, and then I can eat my heart out because I can't find it. I was just going to say, assuming you can find it, it would be worth it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I still think it's in a folder in a file cabinet, but there's four file cabinets, and I cannot think what it would have been filed under, and I got a feeling I'd have to sit there and go through every folder to find it. Maybe find it under money? Well, logically. <laughs> but I had a girl work for me one time, mm -hmm. and she didn't work long. But I would tell her to file something, and she would go put it in the file cabinet. <laughs> Where did you put this? In the file cabinet. Well, it's in the file cabinet. I said, uh, how are you going to find it? Oh, I know where I put it. I said, what are you going to do next month when we need it? Silence. She had no idea mm -hmm. how to file stuff. It was put in the file cabinet. That's all that mattered. Maybe so she didn't work long, but That's anyway. where you told her to put it. Yeah, exactly. Were her lunch and glasses in there, too? Well, I don't know. I never asked her. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I thought about it later. <clears throat> and maybe she was kin to my friend Irma. <laughs> maybe. Gracie that? Allen had a wonderful system that George tried to decipher one time. And he was looking for bills to sort out the bills and make sure that they were being paid because Gracie's system was so screwy. And he said, okay, where am I going to find the butcher's bill? And she said, under M. Said, well, what is it doing under M? And she had gone through this from butcher to the name of the store to the name of the butcher to the name of the street, but she decided to file it under M for meat. Mm -hmm. That's where the butcher was. I don't think it make, it, under it money is going to work. Sense, it? Pardon? It does make perfectly good sense, doesn't mm -hmm. it? You know, when Gracie explained it, it sure did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. I remember hearing that myself, and it still didn't make any sense, but I guess. I made sense it, it, it the way she figured it out. I mean, as long as she knew what it was. I think I mentioned one night I had um, a secretary who was out sick one day, and, I mean, it's just something you don't do. You don't go into somebody else's file cabinet. All the material was mine, but it was her file cabinet, her filing system. You just don't do that. But I needed something. And I unlocked the cabinets. They were all hanging files. And, then, uh, you know, the drawers were maybe four or five feet, four feet wide maybe. Not big, really big. And I pulled open a drawer, and the F file went from one end to the other. And I thought, how many items? I would mark on items, file for future reference. Oh, yes. So, I know this girl worked for you. Not any longer. <laughs> <laughs> she, she didn't last much longer after that. I had no idea. I would ask for something, and she'd say, I don't have it. You never gave it to me. And I'm thinking, I know I did. You know, I've got a really good memory. I know I did this, and it was last March or last June. That's where she couldn't find it because it was all under F for file for future reference. It was future reference. That was the future reference file. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's scary. Oh, well. 
It was I'll really. I'll get on with it. I've wasted enough time here, and I'm going to have some coffee. Well, make one for us, please. I will do and that. We'll have Fort Laramie out to you. I do appreciate it. I'm glad I have it. Yeah, me too. Cause I really would not have that. Well, it's... I've only heard a few of them, but uh, it's... most of them pretty oh. good. It's it's a good show. I agree. Right. And you look up Johnny McBrown. I will look up Johnny McBrown. Um, I'm sorry. I'm ashamed of myself. Yeah, you should be. (laughs) Okay, I'm hanging my head. Can you hear me hanging my head? Yeah, absolutely. It squeaks. Oh, good. Okay. Thank you for recognizing that. Okay, you have a wonderful night, and thank you for staying with us. You do, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And it is the breakfast show, 714-545-2071. And you can tell us if you've got the kettle on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what we've got in shows this week that people have not asked for um, either ever or recently, I've got a whole list of things, and I'll, I'll do this every week, but I've got The Lives of Harry Lyme. Mm-hmm. Nobody has ever asked for that. I think that's Rich a in New great, Jersey. great show. It is a great show. Rich yeah. in New Jersey wanted Orson Welles, so mm-hmm. I sent him some Lives of Harry Lyme, but I don't think anybody has ever asked for that show by name. Mm-hmm. Boston Blackie hasn't gone out recently. Ron asked for that one, and I think he's the only one who ever did. Casey Crime Photographer. Mm-hmm. I've got a huge collection of Dragnet. Never get a call for Dragnuts. I don't think Philo Vance has ever found a home. Mm-hmm. I've got Nightbeat. <clears throat> we were talking about One Man's Family earlier tonight, and I've got that. I've got Jack Armstrong, Dimension X, Paul Harvey, Wild Bill Hickok, Tales of the Texas Rangers, Bella Lugosi. I push Boris Karloff because I love him, but I've got some Bella Lugosi that nobody knows about. So I've really got some, some nifty shows that you don't hear about often. That are a lot of fun to listen to. If you want stuff, Patricia got stuff, so give us a call and ask stuff, and we'll give stuff away for stuff. Everybody's got stuff. That's right. <laughs> I have some quotes for you. Tell me, what you got? Okay, this one's from Samuel Goldwyn. Mm-hmm. All right. His quote, I don't want any yes men around me. I want everybody to tell me the truth, even if it costs them their job. Ah, oh, beautiful. And he, lived, he lived into his 90s, so he would have... Smart. Oh well, he 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 was a he was rough. Yeah. He was a hard-working man with very extraordinary expectations. Yep. Okay, yeah. this one's from Ernest Hemingway. Uh, poor Ernest, my gosh, you know he he was another one who just got dealt a few things in life that made life a challenge from yes. start to finish. But his quote is, "I love to sleep." My life has a tendency to fall apart when I'm awake, you know. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> yes, it That's is. That's a beautiful And from E.B. White. I've got some information on E.B. White. Mm-hmm. Prejudice is a great time saver. You can form an opinion without having to get the facts. Oh, beautiful. Is that good? That's beautiful. Now, E.B. White is known for a lot of things. Um, as a, an English expert, uh, an essayist with the New Yorker magazine. I thought he was a publicist at one time or something like that. Um, no, he wasn't a publicist. Okay. But he wrote... A publisher, I guess, or, or what I'm trying to say. Didn't he publish some papers or something? Or edit with a new paper editor? He, he was... He edited and rewrote 
William S. Strumpf's Elements of Style, which is the Bible mm -hmm. of English. English, yeah. Simplicity Reigns. It's a little book. It's not even probably more, much more than a quarter of an inch thick. Ooh. And it's got everything in there you ever want to know about the English language, how to use it and put together a, a sensible sentence. Mm -hmm. But he also wrote Charlotte's Web. Ah, oh, that's classic. And Stuart the Mouse. What, what was the mouse named Stuart? Was that the mouse that was in the toy in the, the in the department store that rode the elevators? I, that's the only mouse I can think of. Um, let me see. Uh, Charlotte's Web and Charlotte's Web, I know for sure. Wait a minute. That's a child. That's a great but classic a for children. Return to children's literature with Charlotte's Web, the story of a bomb, dom, 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 and oh goodness gracious, Stuart. Just a minute. <laughs> Stuart Little. That was it. Oh. It was a also a 1945 mm -hmm. book, Stuart Little, so and that was made into cartoonish type features. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that was that was E.B. White. Prejudice is a great time saver. You can form opinions without ever having to get the facts. Mm -hmm. Now here's one from Winston Churchill. You'll like this one. Yes. A fanatic is one who can't change his mind and won't change the subject. <laughs> he was so good. Oh, he was nice so classic. good. Class. I, I love that. Yeah. Okay. So can I can I do our three fun birthdays? We do. What you got? Who you had? Happy birthday, Phoenix. February fifth, eighteen eighty one. Phoenix became a city. How about that? They're one hundred thirty years old. Uh huh. Good. Happy birthday, roller coaster. Ah. Nineteen oh one. The I loop, the loop. I love those things. One hundred ten years old. That's good. And tropical roller coaster. Mm was patented by someone by the name of Ed Prescott. He patented the roller coaster. And he lived in Prescott, Roller coaster had a birthday. And he lived in Prescott, Arizona. Did he? No, I don't know. I don't know. I watched a murder-type real-life detective thing tonight. Uh -huh. Lynn Noyce had better just buck up here. The, the murderer, who, and he was terrible, dropped a, he didn't drop it. He transported a body to Prescott, and that's where he was living. Mm. Ooh. Mm. People can be very mean, you know? Okay, and the third birthday is a comic strip, Hagar the Horrible. The um, uh, the, the Nordic guy with the horns on his head. And Anyway, Hagar is a comic strip, 1973. Very good. Maybe somebody has a quote. Hello there, you're on air. Well, I'm really nervous about that. How, how are you? Good, no one. <laughs> Hi, happy Sunday. Well, thank you. Same to you. It's about coffee time, and I thought I would call in. <laughs> I've got, <clears throat> excuse me, I made some notes here on some things I wanted to follow up on. Uh-huh. Uh, first of all, last time we were talking about an Edsel automobile, <laughs> and I think a caller said that that was a Ford. Um, it, it was not a Ford. It was not like a, you know, the, a uh, Ford uh, Galaxy or something of that nature. It, it stood alone. Boy, was it alone! <laughs> right, they had the the Ford Motor Company had an Edsel division, and it dealt exclusively with the Edsel issue. That, that's right, uh, and, and I was thinking that the person was saying it was like a Galaxy, a Ford Galaxy, a Ford Edsel, a Ford, you know, a Chevrolet. No, I, that was, that was me. It wasn't anybody else. When I was I was asking about um, car makers. Uh -huh. who who are no longer in business and the Edsel was a model 
but the Ford company is still in business. Ah, I see. Okay. I, I didn't explain that very well. It was my fault. Not a problem. Um, before I forget, uh, the man that was just on the tower man, or the tower. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> right. Is his name Harold? Harwood. Uh, Harwood. Harwood. Harwood, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, we had a sportscaster in Kentucky named Kay Wood. Uh, but I'll, I'll end up calling him Kaywood next time. But I, I had a tower story also. Mm-hmm. First of all, I did get burned on a tower, and my children were born nude. Oh, wow. We'll attest to that. But the um, do you, have you ever noticed the color of the tower? Uh, probably not. It's a very bright orange and white combination. Uh-huh. Oh, that's right, yeah. And the paint is, uh, you know, it's a terrible color. And they, they have tried different ways over the years, and uh, Harwood would probably know more about this than I would, but they now they use, uh, the last time when I was in the business four or five years ago, before I retired, they would use a mitten and, and dip that into the paint, and they found that that was the best way to uh, apply the paint to a tower, you know, around the round part and the flat part, mm. better than any, anything else. But prior to that, they had tried to uh, use, one company use a spray nozzle like you'd paint a car mm-hmm. and uh, so they ran this hose up to the uh, top of the tower and started painting coming down and it was going pretty well but uh, he mentioned earlier about the tower being hot while you were working on it meaning it was on the air and, and it hey. burned you if you if you touched it then you were on the ground well they didn't take into consideration that this hose that ran up there had metal in it oh my god and and uh, it t- as soon as it touched the tower the pump was on the ground, and when it touched the tower, it, the little hole became uh, apparent in the in the hose, and the orange paint went into the wind. There was an Ed, there was, I started to say Edsel, probably wish it was. It was a Lexus dealership within range of the tower, and the green, the orange paint just splattered all over the Edsel auto, the Lexus automobiles. God, Can you imagine what a nightmare that was. Oh my. Oh, my. Can you still call my insurance person? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh. Covered that. Oh, that, that was not too bright, you know? No. The idea of a mitten, though. They just it, put, it, put it on like a glove and stick their whole hand in and just wipe the surface. Uh-huh. Yeah, and you, you, it's very cons- I always had a great deal of admiration for those guys that, that can stand up there and, and lean back in a, in a safety belt and... Not me. They were three feet off the ground, and here they are, 100, 200, whatever it might be. I know. No, that, that's a little bit too much faith in a piece of equipment. <laughs> I think so. But uh, they seem to do it with ease, though. I'm not even warm to bungee cords, and you're still attached to something on that one. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, the uh, gentleman that was going to celebrate the uh, Patriarch's birthday uh-huh. in the 90s. That's Richard from Richardson. Uh-huh. Uh, and what was his name? Richard. Richard, that was Richard, okay. Um, Walden mentioned that Longines album, yeah. which is long since out of print and unavailable, except through me. Aha. Uh-huh. If you will have him email his address to you, and you can email it to me, I will send him a copy of that. And it's, it's a Longines? Yeah, uh, we were talking about Jack. Uh, Joe Lewis and Jack right. Smell, uh, Smelling Fight is part of this record album. Oh, I got it. Okay, yeah. I was left in the in the dust here because I wasn't paying enough attention. Sure, I will. I will um, send an email to Richard, 
and ask if it's okay. Uh, and it, is it okay if I just give him your email and he can contact you? That's fine. Sure. Okay. I, I will do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, Richard, contact Nolan. Okay. Okay. What you got for us tonight? You know, I was going to say I'm so glad that Walden has taken over the blooper department. I've run, I've run out. I've run out because I, I didn't think you had the, the Breakfast Club one handy, so I, I wanted to play that for Patricia. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad you did. I'll try to have something in the near future, but I okay. hope not. Or send them to you. <laughs> <laughs> so how you been? You had a good week? Good week, yeah. I uh, had uh, You talked to my daughter, Christy. I'm so proud of her. Oh, gosh, what a sweetheart. Yeah. She uh, did something this week that was just outstanding. She had a, uh, I think I told you she's a flight attendant. Right. And she had a childhood friend who had a, has a child who is uh, uh, physically challenged with uh, spinal problems. Mm. And, oh, yeah. In Philadelphia. And up there with uh, the father. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it turned out that they could not fly her home and have the insurance pick it up if they didn't fly from hospital to hospital. They, if they flew from uh, hospital to airport, that, that, uh, that wouldn't, they wouldn't pay for it, could not pay for it. So, so they were stranded up there, really. And they had been told that the commercial airlines wouldn't be suitable for this kind of uh, position she was in after having this surgery. And Christy thought that over, and she said, many times we've had passengers that are... Uh, out of surgery and need special treatment, and it's not uh, uncommon for them to do that. Mm -hmm. So she got on the phone and called some people way up in the uh, that she knew up in management and got it uh, arranged to meet this, have this person come to the the Shriners would take her to the hospital to the airport and, she, and load her wheelchair in a special truck that they had, and the, so she was that far, and then. Uh, now we need tickets for the father and for the daughter. She went to work and put the bite on several people, like mom and dad and <laughs> several people. Came up with the, the uh, ticket fare. Oh, wonderful. Flew the uh, father and uh, daughter home and to a big uh, welcome home ceremony in the Cincinnati airport with uh, posters and things of that nature. Oh. Uploading pictures of all this and uh, she pulled it all off by herself. What a neat kid you have. I don't know where she gets it, but I'm... Oh, we, we do, but we're not going to mention it. <laughs> but uh, Anyway, I had to tell that story since oh. you had met her on the phone. It's a great story. Thank you. It, it's so nice to have nice stories. Yes, yes. Get grouchy people and grouchy stories, and everybody has a problem, and this one has more than I do, and that one should have... What a nice story. Thank you. That makes my, my heart happy. Well, good. Good. It made my mind proud. Swell. Yeah. You know, that you were talking about the uh, overnight and calling people on the telephone. Uh-huh. <laughs> my embarrassing moment. Yeah. I, I heard that that was the way if you did not know what time it was, just dial a number at random and the person will answer the phone and say, do you know it's 4.30 in the morning? <laughs> do you know what time it is? It's 3 o'clock in the morning. Thank you. <laughs> like the person's plant, it's four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> that, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> you even have to spend a nickel or a dollar to uh, to call the time. 
Yeah, right. I did that uh, job. It was the strangest announcement. Maybe I told you that. That was the strangest announcement assignment I ever had in my life, in my long career, which is not all that glorious, but they came to me. I did the commercials for this bank. Huh? But, so they decided they want my voice on the time announce. You know, when you're the man, you call for the time. Yeah. And so I thought I was going to have to sit down and do every minute of every day uh, of, of, of a day, you know, and and the night. And well, it turned out that you use the minutes over and over. So you the minutes are on. This was back before computers too. This is in the uh, 70s, early 80s, I guess it was. And so you do the uh, minutes like it's uh, well. It would the end result would be you'd say time one seventeen. Time one eighteen. You do that that way. Then they would take those minutes and apply them to all the other uh, numbers in the on the clock. Got it. So you only had to say one through fifty nine one time. Exactly. Okay. And then then the uh, and you had an o'clock. Uh huh. At the top because it would be nine o'clock. Yeah, nine it's a Chinese one. menu. You take one from column A and one from column B and you tack it on to column C. That's right. That's the way that was done. And the, um, oh, we had one interesting story. The people that we knew took their vacation over in Arkansas, and they took the kids along, and the kids wanted to know what time it was, and they were used to dialing that number. They had 15 long-distance calls back to Florida. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> dialing the time of day. Oops. <laughs> Well, it was nice. It had a great voice on the other end. Well, I'm not sure that Arkansas is even in the eastern zone, is it? They may be in the in the central. Central, yeah, yeah. it's central. <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> we've got off different tangents here, but it's funny. It's time for coffee, anyway. You know, it's five o'clock in the morning. No, it's five. Yes, it's four fifty-eight in the morning. <laughs> Well, we started late. We started late, so we're just we're just we're, oh, we're just half, we're just halfway through the show. We didn't get to start until almost two o'clock. Oh, that uh, Walton sold out the time prior to this. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he sold me down the river, is what it is. He just I see. Yeah. Live yeah. three sixty five was doing major stuff to their system, and they took everybody offline from um, six in the evening on, and they said until three o'clock. Oh. For time, but mm-hmm. they they let us back on about an hour and a half earlier. I thought Walden and Frank Brzee were selling cookbooks or something. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give Frank that idea. He might. You never know. Well, you Frank, know. he is he is just something else. Did you send me my Christmas songs? It is in the mail, and uh, you should receive it no later than Wednesday. Oh, I love it. Oh, this is so cool because I have Chicken Man and and the mask. Masked Minuteman. <laughs> I haven't heard that before. I want to hear that. That's great. That's a good trade. But it'll be there certainly by July. Oh, this is good. Okay. <laughs> this this will be great. And then I can... Uh, oh, boy, if somebody canceled those stamps, I'm really going to be disappointed. Yeah. I, it's like playing a, what, some sort of badminton game. It goes over to you, and if you miss... <laughs> yes, 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 or, or a never-ending tennis game. Um, there was a tennis tournament not very long ago, and it was the longest on record. Mm-hmm. A, a single match went more than eight hours. Can you imagine? 
being on a tennis court for eight hours and being the person who made the finally made a boo boo and the, lost it. The person finally sitting in the stands would be the <laughs> right. Gee whiz! But anyway, I'm really going to be disappointed if somebody. Um, you know, I'm getting envelopes. I've gotten, and I meant to mention it to Ron in Hawaii, the envelope he sent me a couple of weeks ago had stamps on it that were not postmarked either. Oh, I see. So I guess maybe the post office is on strike. They're not, they're not marking. Well, they're in the black, so they're, they're, giving, they're giving stamps away for free. I guess the bubble envelopes aren't getting stamped. Well, it's, uh... They're giving services away for free. They wonder why they're losing money. I know. I know. It's it's just amazing. So I'm I will I will monitor the mailbox and let you know as soon as it arrives what condition it's in. Good. Yeah, I'll be anxious to know. <laughs> right. And then I can put Chicken Man in and send it back. Look for forward to that. Even if Okay. Um well it's five oh two in the morning. Yes. Even if the stamps are cancelled, I'm going to use the same envelope. I mean it's become a tradition. That's right, yeah. We'll just, the stamps would just pile up on it. We'll, <laughs> we'll keep adding stamps on top of the stamps. Like your license plate, you keep putting the new year on top of the old one. Yeah, that's right. The thing is three-quarters of an inch thick by the time you get a new a new license plate. You know, something I, they, somebody exploited this but, in, a, in a commercial one time, but older houses had a slot in the medicine cabinet where you would put a used razor blade. Yes! It would fall down between the wall. Uh-huh. And um, they they showed this guy put one of those blades in there, and the whole wall fell in. Yeah. It, the house was 30 years old, you know, and by putting a blade in there every week or so, and whenever it wore out. 30 years. Putting pressure on the wall, and it finally, and I don't know what made me think of that. Oh, stacking the stamps, I guess. Yeah. But that was kind of traditional. If you if you in an older house, look in the medicine cabinet, and there'll be a little slot up there with it. Razor blades went. People don't know what razor blades are now. You, you throw the whole razor away. I know. You know, my brother, I think I've mentioned this, he's been in a nursing facility for, for a very long time. Huh? But the one thing he wanted more than anything was a regular razor, you know, with the butterfly top where you put a razor blade in. Sure. And you can buy the razor. $7. Oh, my goodness. And I mean, I shopped, Nolan. I went from place to place and site to site, and that was the least expensive one I could find. Well, if you uh, want to make one of the, the uh, throwaways last a long time, is if you will dry them after every use. I've heard that, yes. And it's the rust that builds up because they stay wet that uh -huh. holds them. Is that correct? That's right. I, that's what I assume it was. Um, but you just press them on a towel, or if you're using your hair dryer, you could pop it under that, I guess. But uh, it works. It really does. It extends the life of them. Well, that's good to know. Good to know. I was just so thrilled that I found one of these things. But um, razor blades, I don't know what he's doing with razor blades. What do you do with razor blades when you take them out? Um, Wrap them up. Put them in that little slot in the medicine cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> drill a hole in the wall and drop it between the beams. There you go. This time in history, I don't know where they go. That's funny. 
I, I guess people just wrap them up and drop them in the trash. Yeah, the same way the razors go. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, wow. Landfill. Well, uh, it's been fun as usual. and It's always fun when you call, and thanks for the coffee. Are we, are we into flavored coffees or just plain stuff? Just, just plain, and I think yours is without any addition, right? No, no sugar, no cream. I, I like it naked. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> we will, they, they, uh, I can handle that. No, that was a poor choice of words, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it's cool. <laughs> is that cool? Okay. Okay, well. well. <laughs> I have, it, uh, is your email able to take attachments without getting the hiccups? Now, say that again? Able to do what? If I send you an email with an attachment, is your email system going to have the hiccups, or is it okay? No, it, it is now accepting uh, okay. attachments. Because and... I, I have a little blooper that I want to send to you. Oh, okay. And I came across it. I, you know, it's, it, it was just set aside as a blooper. And it's a, a woman broadcaster who, who got hit by something that was funny, and she just lost it. So oh, Good. Yeah. Favorite. So I will send that. Good deal. Okay. See you soon. Y'all have a good night. You too. Hey, you're up now, aren't you? I'm, I'm going to bed. You're getting up. I'm up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just about down. <laughs> We'd have all our bases covered. Gosh. Very good. <laughs> have a good what's left of the day. All right. Thanks for calling. Excuse me. Bye-bye. 714-545-2071. We're up and about. We are up and about. I should have mentioned that I have the Masked Minute Man as well. Mm -hmm. The Masked Minute Man. Okay. All right. I got some stuff here. I got some stuff. Are you ready? Let's do it. What do you got? What do you got? Okay. Well, I, I did the quotes. All right. We've, we've got some interesting stuff in history. Like in 1644, the first U.S. livestock branding law passed in Connecticut, where people had to brand their livestock, their pigs, their cows, everything that had four legs and was walking around, had to have a brand. In 1644, that was amazing. They had to, they had, they had to stay awake. Wow. They had to make sure they didn't burn themselves. <laughs> You're so bad. All right. Now, this one is really interesting, and I think it's late enough that I can say it, but not early enough that the kids are up. In 1861, the first moving picture peep show machine was patented. Huh? A peep show machine. And it was patented. That's cool. Oh, okay. You guys okay. would know that. Okay. Okay. Um, in 1887, it snowed in San Francisco on February 5th. Does it ever snow in San Francisco? Must it? I guess it's not very common if they mentioned it in 1887. It must be a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Yeah, well, it, Northern California is different from Southern California. It gets cold up there. Yeah, well, San Francisco gets kind of damp and ugly. Yeah, it does. I don't think it snows in San Francisco. Yeah, I never heard of it. Well, 1887, it snowed. Uh, here's the big one. Here's the In 1958, a hydrogen bomb, now known as the Tybee Bomb, mm. was lost by the United States Air Force off the coast of Savannah, Georgia. Where did it go? In the water. Oh. All right. There's really a story with this, but what, <laughs> what blew me away is that apparently 
badly. It was not a one-time deal. The military has lost several hydrogen bombs that were never found. Isn't that interesting? That's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Okay. All right. The lost it. This was um, February fifth, nineteen fifty-eight. The lost hydrogen bomb is also known as the Tybee bomb. T Y B E E, because it's by Tybee Island off the coast of Georgia. Okay. Uh, the a B forty-seven was carrying a hydrogen bomb on a night training flight. Why would they carry a real bomb on a training flight? Well, just for practice. Well, I mean, you could put anything up there, if, you know, with 128 pounds. Um, they're not going to drop a hydrogen bomb. Well, they do. They, they do. They say, "I'm sorry." Uh, well, they they said they were sorry, and they couldn't find it. Yeah, true. Yeah. So anyway, this this bomber was carrying a hydrogen bomb, and it was a night flight training deal off the Georgia coast, and it collided with an F-86 fighter at 36,000 feet. So the fighter was destroyed, and the bomber was damaged. It had a damaged wing, and the, the pilot tried to bring it in twice, and he couldn't. And he asked for permission to drop the bomb and, you know, to, to drop it in the water. And they said, okay, that's fine, because we'll go back and pick it up. <laughs> so he dropped it. The bomb is had um, dropped in the water near Tybee Island off the coast of Georgia, and the Air Force searched for it for six weeks and didn't find it. And they had to call off the search because they had to go to South Carolina where another H-bomb had been accidentally dropped by a B-47. Oh, good grief. Oh, good grief. I mean, this is like February 5th and April 16th. So anyway, nobody has ever found that bomb. It's still out there somewhere in the water. And it finishes up with, the Air Force politely requested a new H-bomb to replace the one it had lost. And this is in quotation marks. The, the search for this weapon was discontinued on April 16, 1958, and the weapon is considered irretrievably lost. It is requested that one weapon be made available for the release to the United States Department of Defense as a replacement. They put in a requisition to replace their H-bomb. Walden, that's funny. Oh, I know. I, it's scary, but I, it's funny. I mean, that you could just requisition a, a hydrogen bomb. Uh -huh. Yeah. And you know, for many of us, we didn't admit they even made them. Unreal. Yeah. One in, in um, South Carolina that got dropped had 200 pounds of TNT attached to it. This was a hydrogen bomb with TNT, which I suppose was supposed to ignite the hydrogen bomb. What do I know about bombs? I don't know. But the TNT exploded, but the hydrogen bomb remained intact. So we were very happy about that. But nobody has ever found the Tybee bomb. So between 1958 and today... We're missing a bomb. We're missing a hydrogen bomb off the coast of Georgia, and not very far off the coast of Georgia either. So I, there isn't any reward posted that, that I could find. So that's where the Tybee bomb came from. Today was the anniversary of losing a hydrogen bomb. One of the hydrogen bombs that have been lost. Wow. Unreal. Unreal. So what else are we up to? I got a Johnny Mathis song. I thought we might want to play one of the songs from the CD. Just to see if we can tie somebody. Oh, very it. excellent. And if you call in with the answer to who rode a chestnut mare named Desti, you will 
get a CD with this song on it. There we go. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, are also on the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. I hear babies crying. I watch them grow. They'll learn much more than I'll ever know. And I think to myself, It's a wonderful world because I have Patricia in my life. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And we have a 
better world because you're in ours. And that's the truth. We are together. That's the truth. We are together. As Lily Tomlin would say. I know. Now, that that was really great. He's got such a wonderful voice. Now, one of the more amazing things, this, this was copyrighted in 2010, so I am guessing that's when he cut the album, yes? Yes. 2010, he was born in... 1935, which means he was... He's only 75. 75 when he did this. Mm-hmm. What a voice. So you can win this by answering Patricia's trivia question. And my trivia question is, who rode a chestnut mare named Dusty? 714 Well... We're going to keep these and periodically sprinkle them out throughout the year. So here's your opportunity to win one if you want one. And if you don't win it tonight, we're saving it for next week. There you go. We'll have a larger family next week because we'll be... Oh, no, we're not on... We're, oh, we've got Claire Schultz next week. Mm-hmm. So we will start on time. And we have a guest, Claire Schultz, who wrote Fibber McGee and Molly on the air. That's mm-hmm. the book we'll be talking about. Mm-hmm. He is... One of our experts in Fibber McGee and Molly, and he's got some great information to share. He was with us about a year ago, close to 10 months ago. And he will be back in March with a second book, and we'll talk about that next week as well. So I hope you'll be with us at 1030 for Mr. Schultz. And when we're finished with an interview with Mr. Schultz, we will be into our regular stuff. And we'll find out what Patricia got tucked away in food. Oh, yeah. I had TV dinners for tonight, but we'll have to save TV dinners for next week. <laughs> oh, good. At least Patricia got a hit on her homework. She can start saving it for future weeks. I did. Weeks. I did. You want to yeah. hear some fun headlines? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Lines. What do you got? Something went wrong in jet crash, experts say. I agree. That one. I agree. That's very true. Yep. Plane too close to ground, crash probe told. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Panda mating. We talked about panda mating. Panda mating fails. Veterinarian takes over. Mm. That was fun. Mm-hmm. I'm think about some of mm-hmm. these. Um, Farmer Bill dies in house. In, house. <laughs> in the House of Representatives, Farmer Bill dies uh-huh. in house. In house. That's good. Yeah. That's good. And, you know, I mean, Farmer Bill. It's actually a farm bill, not a farmer bill. But anyway, <laughs> juvenile court to try shooting defendant. Oh, okay. Is that a good one? That's good. I mean, all of these have double meaning. They have smiles. Sisters reunited after 18 years in checkout counter. <laughs> You know, the position of words really make a difference. Uh It's supposed to be sisters reunited in checkout counter (laughs) after 18 years. (laughs) Like they bumped into each other in the supermarket. That's true. (laughs) Standing in the checkout counter for 18 years. Waiting to get get through the line, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so what do you want to do? You want to play a show? Sure. And then we have to say goodnight? Sure. Really? I know. No, we can stay up all night. It was a short night, you know. Well, you stayed up in bed. I did. I did other stuff, too. I know. But anyhow. So you want to play a show? Sure, let's play a show. Okay. And um, 
we'll save the second one. And we, we actually had two. We had a regular fibra show, which I'll give you in just a minute, but we had a second one that I'd like to save for next week as well. It is the suspense show from February 3rd, 1949, called Backseat Driver, in which Jim and Marion Jordan play a serious dramatic role. Mm -hmm. Very well, mind you. This is the show I said last week I kept waiting for a punchline or a joke, mm -hmm. and I realized when I listened to it again, it was because they were introduced as Fibber McGee and Molly, Jim and Marion Jordan, as opposed to Jim and Marion Jordan are going to be starring in this. They are Fibber McGee and Molly. They were actually, the, the show began with the introduction, Fibber McGee and Molly star in this. That's true. So that's how come I was waiting for a punchline that never came. It never came. Yeah, so it's it's kind of unusual. It yeah. is Fibber McGee and Molly, actually Jim and Marion Jordan, who will be in that. So we'll save that one for next week. I All think right. that's that's really a neat one to play around with. So for now, and this is our good night show, we have Family Tree from October 20th, 1942. Abigail Uppington pays a visit and tells Fibber, she has just been elected president of the Society of Children of the Mayflower. Fibber scoffs, of course, at her claim that it is difficult to trace family tree to the time of the pilgrims, so he decides he'll prove it by looking up his family, too. Only Fibber can do something like this. <laughs> it's a great show. So we're going to be listening to Family Tree from October 20th, 1942, Good night, everybody. Thank you for being there with us. Uh, we were late because Live 365 gave us dead air for a few hours, and you were still there, and thank you. Have a wonderful week. Be safe. May the world melt and not be so icy for you, and we'll talk to you next week. Good night, everybody. Good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. Here we go. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Bibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. And by way of welcoming 45 new stations to our network, the orchestra opens the show with Great Day. while I was trying to get to sleep, a thought came to me, which I believe is worth passing along. We're right now in the middle of a salvage drive, as you of course know. A short time ago, we had a Save Your Fats campaign and another on Share Your Car. Well, the thought I had was just this, that because we have these drives, some of the people may get the idea that in between drives, we can all relax. The truth is that all of us should keep in our minds all the time all the things we're asked to do. Don't hunt salvage today and forget it tomorrow. Put these things into your program every day. Salvage, save fats, save your tires, and take better care of the things you have. Incidentally, you'll find Johnson's Wax, with its 100 labor-saving uses, a great help in protecting your floors, furniture, woodwork, leather goods, and countless other things in your home.
Well, it's a gorgeous day in Whistle Vista. There's a zing in the air. The autumn leaves are a riot of color. Just the kind of a day for a long walk in the crisp air and brilliant sunshine. The kind of a day when it's great to be alive and out in the air. Yes, sir. So here in the living room with a pile of newspapers, a very bad cigar and a disgusted wife, trying to dope out this year's All-American, we find Fibber McGee and Molly. see. In the backfield, I got Sinkwheat to Georgia, Kuzma of Michigan, Hillenbrand of Indiana. McGee. So far, huh? For the last time, let's go for a walk. Walk? Yes, walk. 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 You know, where you put one foot in front of you, and you lean forward, and then you put the other foot out. You can do it if you try. <laughs> no, I don't want to go. Hey, how do you like Howard Callanan of USC? Oh, I love him. Yeah? Yeah, I've got a lock of his hair in the back of my watch. Who's Callanan? <laughs> Trouble with you, Molly, is you ain't got any sporting blood Well, neither of us will have any kind if we don't get out of this house now and then and get some exercise You used to like football Well, I still like football What do you expect me to do Saturday afternoon? Sit here and wave a pennant whilst I darn socks? Well, we hear all the games on the radio, don't we? Oh, sure, and then we read all about them in the papers mm-hmm. Personally, my pet, I don't get much of a thrill out of an end run around the false teeth ads <laughs> Well, anyway, I don't want to go out I'd catch cold with my house slippers on, my sleeves rolled up, and besides... Oh, well, I'm glad some hardy pioneer has the courage to get out in the air. Come in. Hello, Abigail. Uh, How do you do, my dear? And Mr. McGee. Hi, Eppity. How come you're out braving the elephants? No. (laughs) The word is elements, McGee. Mm, Ivory is as ivory does, I always say. (laughs) Where you been, Eppity, to get those roses in your cheeks? Those thorns in your character. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, there was a time, Mr. McGee, when your crudities perturbed me no little. <laughs> but now I've learned to take you as you are. <laughs> you have? Well, how am I? <laughs> <laughs> Don't answer that, Abigail. I'll have no profanity in this house. <laughs> you know, I've been trying to get McGee to go for a walk with me, but he won't go. He's holding a pigskin post-mortem. <laughs> oh, my dear, it's simply delightful outside. Very exhilarating. Oh, goodness knows I'm so excited anyway. I'm simply walking on air. Well, for you, Uppy, that's quite McGee. a... <laughs> Why, what happened, Abigail? My dear, congratulate me. I have just been elected president. Well, good for you, Uppy. Go sit in the fireplace and give us a chance. <laughs> for Army, Navy, and Marine Corps equipment. So you can see that the use of wax as a protective finish for all kinds of materials and surfaces is becoming increasingly important. You know, Molly, I'll bet I could have traced the McGee's clear back to the days of King Arthur. I'll bet Sir Galahad maybe was one of my ancestors. Who? Sir Galahad. Was he a bad knight or a good knight? <laughs> a good knight. A good knight, Characters of the old-timer and Wallace Winkle heard on this program were played by Bill Thompson. This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for the makers of Johnson Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This program reached you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Good night, everybody. Show me the good old Jesus Christ, boys. Bless each one of you out there. Love you all. The party's over
It's time to call it a day They've burst your pretty balloon And taken the moon away It's time to wind up The masquerade Just make your mind up The piper must be paid The party's over The candles flicker and dim You danced and dreamed through the night it seemed to be right just being with him now you must wake up all dreams must end take off your makeup the party Nothing 
championship fight Not as exciting as holding you tight Nothing that I do ignites me And starry skies, fourth of July's Don't have the sparkle I see in your eyes Don't know what to say Don't mean to be blasé But darling, it's true There's nothing in this world For me
Okay, you're gonna hear me work with my computer. We're gonna pull out Ray Breen. Interview, play this off my computer. So, we'll see where we're Escape, free agent, drive left, play using Winnem. Okay, copy, add, five, copy, copy, print the pick, view, select, transfer, open, full, take, no, act. Enter. My voice, my this device can perform Josh. faster, colon, this USB device can perform fast, escape, tab. Um, my screen reader. Escape, leave tab, toolbar tab, tab running applicate tab, system tray tab. And tab, start button doing? to open tab, toolbar tab, running applicate tab, system tab, desktop, okay. folder view M, my computer. Enter. And we're gonna get into my external My computer, drive. folder view list, free agent, enter. Okay. Folder view list, folder view dot drop box, 6 8 dash R, radio once more R. We're gonna catch up. Ray Bream 87 dash 06 dash 27 with Steve Allen. Ray Bream 88 dash 06 dash 25 with George Belzer. Ray Bream 88 dash 09 dash 03 with guest Bob Crabote. Ray Bream 88 dash 10 dash 22 with Mel Blanc. Ray Bream 88 dash 11 dash 26 with guest Jack Smith. MP3. Ray Bream 88 dash 11 dash 26 with guest Jack Smith. MP3. Ray Bream enter. KABC, Los Angeles, 12 midnight, Paul Harvey next. Hello, Americans, I'm Paul Harvey. Now, you know what the news is. In a minute, you're going to hear the rest of the story. This is Mary Tyler Moore. For over 16 years, the Juvenile Diabetes Foundation has been funding important diabetes research. Right now, we are funding research work on transplanting insulin-producing cells, experimental work with medications that may someday prevent diabetes. For over 16 years, we've been funding research with one goal, a cure. The Juvenile Diabetes Foundation. With your help, we will be known as the people who cured diabetes. Contact your local chapter. More than anything else, there is one Christmas gift I would like to deliver to your house. The wraparound sound of high fidelity music. And it has never been reproduced so perfectly as with the Bose Acoustic Wave machine. A machine with no big loudspeakers, in fact, no separate loudspeakers at all. A machine as portable as a typewriter and so much more handsome. So any room in the house becomes the music room. You can't buy this magic music box in any store. But if you'd like details as to how you can get one direct from the factory, telephone 1-800 and then dial 282-BOSE, B-O-S-E. It's an 800 number, 282-BOSE. Now, the rest of the story. Would Andrew Jackson or William Henry Harrison or Abraham Lincoln ever have been elected to the United States presidency without evoking the popular campaign symbol of the log cabin? Bill Harrison actually was born on his family's fabulous Virginia plantation. His daddy was a wealthy, politically prominent man, but the image that appealed to the voters who voted for him was summed up in the slogan, Log Cabin and Hard Cider. The Log Cabin is the all-American house. To the schoolchild, it still represents our grassroots origins, our pioneer virtues. Its appearance was as rugged and its resistance to the elements as hardy as the American spirit itself. Perhaps more significant, a properly constructed log cabin would last for generations, a dwelling of humble origin and yet as enduring as the American dream. Usually only two metal tools were required to build a log cabin, an axe, of course, to fell the trees and hew the logs, and a wedge-shaped cleaving tool called a fro. 
for shingles and roof boards. Often a frontier cabin contained not one piece of iron, no iron hinges, nor even a single iron nail. Sometimes the pioneers built temporary log cabins in which even the chimneys were made of logs and clay. Sometimes the crevices between the logs were filled with moss. This was merely to insulate. The logs themselves were securely attached by corner notches. At Thanksgiving time, myriad mental pictures arise from the pilgrim heritage we learned in school. Wild turkeys and Indian corn and black hats and buckles and bell muzzle blunderbuss muskets and hazy harvest moons and cozy log cabins. But this is the rest of the story. After exploring the North American coastline for more than a month, our pilgrim fathers parked the Mayflower in Plymouth Bay, went searching for a site for their settlement. It was Christmas, 1620. The Pilgrims' first permanent dwelling and utility house was constructed immediately. It was 20 feet square. Two weeks later, it burned. And the resident Pilgrim shore party scurried back to the Mayflower, spent the remainder of the winter aboard. At the first sign of spring, they were ashore again, tilling fields, building cabins. Fortunately, they'd brought with them a wide variety of tools, broad axes and pitching axes and chisels and augers and so forth. Before the Mayflower returned to England that April, several small cabins were standing... It was Governor William Bradford who called them cabins, but they were not log cabins, nor was the larger structure they had erected before New Year's, nor were the buildings at Jamestown Colony in Virginia a dozen years before, nor were the shelters of the Puritan colonists who would not arrive for almost a decade. They did not live in cabins, not log cabins. The men we now recognize as our founding fathers from Jamestown on built everything from frame houses to thatched huts to tents, but they built no log cabins. Two centuries later, this young nation would glorify the log cabin as the all-American house, the symbol of our earliest heritage. And yet the first one appeared on the North American landscape in 1638 in a colony in the lower Delaware Valley. Those colonists built log cabins because their forefathers had built them thousands of years before. But they were not Jamestown Virginians. They were not pilgrims who built log cabins. They were not Puritans who built log cabins. No, those who eventually taught the English to build log cabins were Swedish. Now you know the rest of the story. Oh, hello there, Robin Hood here. Formerly of steel from the rich, give to the poor fame. Ages ago, I hung up the old green tights because I realized I was getting a bit older. Not exactly fit enough to go gallivanting about Sherwood Forest, dueling with swords, or poaching the king's deer. But I missed the thrill of giving to the poor. So I've recently joined forces with that merry band of New Jersey philanthropists and new eyes for the needy. Now I travel the countryside over hill and dale, moor and mountain, getting good people everywhere to send in their glasses, especially metal frames, so new eyes for the needy can give the gift of sight to people who can't afford their own. They'll also accept gold jewelry, silver and hearing aids. So I beg of you, anyone within the sound of my voice, send in your old glasses, either by longbow and arrow, or through the post to New Eyes for the Needy, Short Hills, New Jersey, 07078. It's a great way to give to the poor without having to steal from the rich. KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio 790. Southern California, living where the living's fun in the Southern California 
This is Ray Bream on 790 KABC Los Angeles. Talk radio for Southern California. Jack, I hate to say it, but it's our last call. Okay. So let's do I it. I hate to have it. <laughs> yeah. Joel. Hi. You're on with Jack Smith. Jack. Hi, Joel. I just want to tell you that it's such a pleasure to be able to talk to you and tell you how much pleasure you've given me uh, through the years. Well, you know, Joel, uh, I, we, we get paid for what we do. It's true, through the years, and I get to keep a roof over my uh, house and food and the family's uh, stomachs and so forth, but hearing something like this is what makes it all really worthwhile you because know, uh, we hope that happens. It's so interesting that there's been so few voices like yours uh, through the years, we've had the romantics and all of that type, but uh, uh, a voice that's so distinctive and happy and not particularly a romantic type. No, that's right. Is, is interesting. I, I didn't catch just about how old you are. Do you mind telling me? No, I give his age. <laughs> He's right. You know why? Uh, because I'm still in the business. Uh, I probably wouldn't be doing a lot of the things if uh, somebody categorized me as uh, he's such and such an age and he can't do this. I don't well, like that. You can guess, but what, the, the point that I'm trying to mm -hmm. bring is that people who have used their voices and, and have trained voices don't seem to age. In other words, if you were to call on the phone and talk to someone, uh, they could not possibly think that you were over 35, 40 years of age. It is, it is amazing. I know that uh, with a lot of my friends. Very good. Joel, thank you very much for the call. I should say, Joel, thank you. And uh, Jack Smith, I can't tell you how great it's been. It's one of the uh, memorable shows. Ray, you've reestablished me in my own mind. <laughs> I thank you for it. Yes. Maybe we'll do it again sometime. I hope, please do. Have, have some good holidays. Good, and I'll get some new songs for you. All right, sounds good to me. Thank, Thank you. you, Jack. Thank you. The one and only smiling Jack Smith. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. Stay tuned for the news. KABC, Talk Radio 790. You won't find it. Your doctor won't find it. Good night, everybody. Can. We're talking about breast cancer that's too small to be felt. And in the earliest stages, breast cancer is 90% curable. This is why every woman 35 or older should have regular mammograms. An initial mammogram between 35 and 40, then one every one to two years thereafter. A mammogram is a simple x-ray of the breast that takes about 10 minutes. The benefits are so enormous, it should be as routine to you as a pap smear, especially since one out of ten women will develop breast cancer. If you're 35 or older, ask your doctor about mammography. For more information, you may also call 1-800-DETECT-5. That's 1-800-DETECT-5. Remember, 
Early detection is a way of life. This is a public service message from Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in this station. This is KBC Los Angeles, talk radio for Southern California. It's 3 o'clock. From ABC News, I'm Bob Walker. It was a night to remember in eastern Canada. The area was hit by the strongest earthquake in more than 50 years, measuring more than six on the Richter scale. Despite all that, however, only minor injuries were reported, and although the extent of property damage is not yet fully known, it does not appear to be all that significant. The quake was centered...